All right, George, how are you? Um, fine and dandy, man. Good stuff. Daniel, you there? Yeah, mate, yeah. Wait a minute. That's not Daniel. It is. We're both Daniel. <laughs> Wait a minute. Daniel has taken his perversions to the greatest degree and separated himself into two people so he can have sex with himself. We've all we've all thought about it, come on. <laughs> Wait a minute, this isn't pride. podcast my name is david and i'm here with george and as you may have guessed daniel's not here um he has died on his way to his home planet um, so he's not he's not died we should probably say that he has not died he's just not here today but we do have two guests and it's the last from the activate podcast so hello hey that's good not bad not bad hey, do you want to introduce yourselves i am rob e harmlessly guess where i got that name <laughs> and i'm benji also the hitman because there's more than one of us. <laughs> it's, it's like the Activate podcast is in my home. <laughs> it's, a, it's the Activate podcast live. Well, not really, not for you, but for us, it's great. It's like, it's like got to see quite like Kevin or something. Um, so yeah, um, you may have guessed. Uh, Daniel's not here. This episode was meant to be about Pride Fighting Championships. Uh, that's coming later. Don't worry, that'll come out in about four years. Um, but. For the moment, we're going to we have a wee bonus episode where we're going to talk about our mine, both mine and George, is one of our greatest passions, uh, possibly just as much as wrestling. Uh, we're going to chat about Robo Wars. Yeah, and this is the first in what we hope will be a not exactly regular, but certainly recurring series of um, shows that we're going to title Hashtag Everything is Pro Wrestling. This being the first Hashtag Robot Wars is Pro Wrestling. And so we picked the guys from the uh, the Activate podcast because not only do they have what, in my estimation, is the premier UK podcast of, about Robot Wars, and you can take that to the bank, but also, as you may have guessed through the, uh, the name Rob E. Harmlessly, um, are also uh, big wrestling fans. I understand you guys have also another podcast about ECW, is that correct? Oh, it's out there, isn't it? Out there in the wild, yeah. If you look, there is the <laughs> Extreme Championship podcasting. Yes. That went well. Oh. Don't look for it. It's not there anymore. It's all Spinal Tap. <laughs> <laughs> there's a few, there's a few like, episodes that exist out there on SoundCloud for anyone uh, interested in our thoughts on ECW. And the deep web. <laughs> <laughs> but that was Eastern Championship Wrestling as well. We started way back. Yeah, we never we got were to old extreme. Like, we, we never, never even actually... made it to extreme, yeah. Do you watch the pesh bit of ECW? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we gave up and went to Robot Wars. <laughs> you've, cro- you've crossed the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, but I mean, like, we've made this perfectly clear. I mean, how many times have we referenced Robot Wars? It's, like, it's, many it's times. a lot. I mean, to give to give um, the Activate Boys uh, an impression, I mean, one of the things we do on our website, I maintain the com, is produce reviews of Robot Wars episodes from the new uh, revived UK Robot Wars series, but do them in the style of your sort of Voices of Wrestling style 
uh, wrestling reviews, complete with Dave Meltzer-style star ratings for the (laughs) Robot Wars fights, and a shitload of wrestling references as well. Um, We take this Robot Wars is pro wrestling-like very seriously, to the point that, um, and this is not my doing, this is David's, during uh, last year's Voices of Wrestling Top 100 Matches of the Year poll, which we were uh, very kindly invited to uh, participate in, to the point where I actually thought it was... uh, I've been sent the request in error. And they said, no, we genuinely do want you to uh, to vote in this. I don't think they do anymore. They might not anymore, but there are podcasts with more <laughs> listeners than ours out there, so it was nice to be considered. And uh, the reason we might not be asked back is because uh, David picked as his 10th best wrestling match of the year, uh, Apollo versus Carbide from the <laughs> Royal Wars Grand Final. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. <laughs> and... I and if there is any Puro fans here who are totally lost and wondering why I did it, I stand by the decision. I will fight you in real life if you <laughs> was the tenth best wrestling match of last year. Like we will come on to this because this, I mean, like I wrote a treatise, an absolute treatise on Apollo versus Carbide. It is thousands of words long about why this match because we did uh, well <laughs> we are technically still doing because we never finished it but we were doing 25 matches that defined 2016 <laughs> uh, we got to 20 and gave up but one of them was <laughs> Apollo versus Carvide and I went into minuscule detail about why this was one this was pure wrestling and like I want people to know that this isn't a joke. Like, this isn't us, you know, jokingly doing this because, you know, Robo Wars is coming up and it's fine. We, we genuinely think this. We genuinely feel that Robo Wars is pro wrestling. And it, it's at the crux of it, it's it's just instead of men or women, it's it's robots. That's it. And it's exactly the same. Yeah, um, absolutely. Like, I just want to and, add also um, uh, people on Twitter were, were quite giddy about the fact some some madman had actually nominated a Robot Wars fight as one of the best wrestling matches <laughs> of the year and uh, someone did tweet at the editor of Voices of Wrestling and say um, is that allowed? And they said, look, last year someone nominated a roadside brawl on Total Divas, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and credit to them, it was a really good roadside brawl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's up there with the roadside, on the roadside brawl scale. Oh. <laughs> Six and a quarter stars. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, like the thing is, is like, cause we when we did a WrestleMania uh, review, we went and we reviewed the rematch for Apollo Carbide uh, because like it was on the same day as WrestleMania weekend. Yeah, um, yeah. And we we reviewed that, and I remember we were talking about Misawa versus Liger about how they never wrestled. You said to give it up, it's like Razor versus Hypnodisc. It's never <laughs> happened. <happening. laughs> um, like yeah, like people who listen to us know that um we love Robot Wars and this is an entire episode dedicated to basically our love for Robot Wars and how it totally is pro wrestling and I guarantee everyone who listens to this by the end and I'm talking to you, Jushin Thunder Lager, right? You <laughs> will agree with us at the end that Robot Wars is pro wrestling. I guarantee it. And if you don't, then well, you know, just unsubscribe. No, no, he's our number... Don't tell our number one fan to unsubscribe, for Christ's sake. Our only fan. Yeah, that's... (laughs) We we have one fan and many acquaintances. (laughs) Yeah, um, before we start off with sort of going through a few ways in which Robot Wars is like uh, pro wrestling, usually when people appear on the podcast, we say, uh, how did you get into pro wrestling? So how did you get into pro wrestling? I had a VHS of Starcade. I want to say 89? Yeah, something like that. I don't know how it became came into my possession, but 
as a result, I accidentally kicked my sister in the back of the head, trying to mimic it. And <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> accidentally. And from that point onwards, uh, wrestling's been with me somehow. It, it reminds me of the time just when you said that. I once had a friend in school who I once fit, threw down the stairs uh, because we were reenacting The Lion King. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, don't try this at home, mate. <laughs> yeah, I think I was Scar and he was Mufasa. Oh, sorry, I'm off the cliff. The stairs. Like, <laughs> pretty violently, we were like six years old at the time. And, like, yeah, like, um, <laughs> until this day, he still remembers this. doesn't remember much else. I think he landed in his head. But, <laughs> yeah, like, just, that, told, that, like, yeah, that happens. He, he was the Vic Grimes to your new Jack. There you go, there's an easy to do. Oh, God, <laughs> Jesus. That was a dark oh, turn all of a sudden. We're having, we're having a good time, we're having a good time. <laughs> well, with myself, I never, I, I feel really underwhelming now. Like, I just, I think it was, I know the, near enough the date it was june 1999 and i tuned in to smackdown i think it, it was either it would i don't know if it was on sky one at that point at 10 a.m but all it of us remember the one, yeah. all of us remember the 10 a.m sky one saturday morning oh, yeah. slot beautiful yeah. and i just i sat down i started watching it i didn't know what the fuck was going on and my, my mum came in and went that's fake and i went Alright. <laughs> I just kept watching it. I didn't care. Because I was. I, it must have been Austin on screen or something, because I was just enthralled. And that's. I just watched it every week since. I don't think I've ever missed anything out of whatever wrestling show I'm watching at the time. I've not missed it since. I've never that, had a that's break. Qu- that's quite interesting because, like, we. Like, on our first ever episode, we went through like, our histories, and basically, all, like, all three of us. At one point, it had a break where, like, we were into wrestling, and then you kind of got to that, you know, that sort of tipping point, like maybe like sixteen, something like that, where you've got other things going on in your life, and you kind of just leave it, like, because um, I, I had a, I had a good what, four years where I did, a, I watched one Raw uh, before Tavi Tuesday two thousand and six, and that was it. That was literally all I watched, and I was totally out. But so you've never had a break; you've always been in. Oh, I mean, I've been close. When when Miz beat Cena, I think I around that time I left for TNA. See, true story. <laughs> you crossed See, the line. I was a misfit, so I was into Miz the whole the whole way. I loved him, <laughs> but that shows the kind of person I am. Where 2010, 2011, I was like, yeah, the Miz, mate. Yeah, he's awesome. So that, that shows the type of fan I am. Yeah, <laughs> like, everyone knows the Miz now, but like, I mean, 2011, I imagine you were planning a bit of a lonely photo with your uh, <laughs> Miz <laughs> fan. I had the last laugh in that one. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that Hate Me Now uh, segment at WrestleMania is still, what you know, the video at the oh, start. Oh, that's where beautiful. Him, I, I it's love incredible. that. It's incredible. It's up there with anything, that any package that they've done, it, it's up there with it. Because, um, yeah, that was... That was kind of roughly when I started getting back into it. Like around about 2010 is when I sort of jumped back on and uh, like full time. And um, yeah, I remember the Mrs. Rain and I remember this. Because I, I used to be on wrestling forum and I remember the vitriol. The absolute vitriol. God, <laughs> yeah, I was there as well. 
It was oh, as as Daniel uh, once uh, once called wrestling forum the most miserable bastards in the world. <laughs> oh, it was a horrible place at the time. I had oh, a man. big signature banner with the Miz in it. I was I rubbed <laughs> it into everyone. Were, were you? Wait, oh man, I remember they used to have a signature banners where they put every wrestling event they'd ever been to in it, and it'd be like fucking like. 18 fucking lines long. <laughs> to scroll through this to, whole thing for this one page. I oh. went to Dragon Gate in Broxburn. Big fucking deal. Like, yeah, nobody actually cares. <laughs> I I like uh, yeah wrestling forum is basically like if you if you venture any opinion you're like that's not Kawada. <laughs> get absolutely uh, monsters. It's so uh, terrible. I mean the 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 second thing we kind of wanted to ask now that we've sort of know a little bit about how you guys got into wrestling is how did you get into robot wars when did you first uh see see it i was a red dwarf fan right growing up yeah so when it was you know because craig charles was in the number one and number two most watched programs in the country at the time yeah. so you know it just happened like that really <laughs> you couldn't avoid it I couldn't avoid it <laughs> it it's quite amazing the triumvirate that uh, Craig Charles has had to have Red Dwarf, Robot Wars, and Takeshi's Castle. Like, all three of them the same guy. It's And, like, you could literally go to anybody and they know him from a different thing. He's not famous for, like... There'll be a whole generation that's Robot Wars, a whole generation that's Takeshi's Castle, and another generation that are Red Dwarf. Someone Coronation was, uh, Street as well, he was in that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, strip clubs. He was apparently in those. Um, <laughs> <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly, indeed. <laughs> uh, the allegedly. We we put that in every episode. I think. <laughs> I have heard it a few times now. Yeah. Well, it's just in case uh, Ken's case, Sasaki's legal team uh, comes afterwards. After after we said that he beat a guy in the de- to death in the dojo, which definitely did happen, allegedly. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we should probably ask this. You are on a Japanese wrestling podcast. I mean, a very tenuous Japanese wrestling podcast. But <laughs> do, are any of you interested in Japanese wrestling? Do you watch it? I I kept up to date with Omega versus Okada. Yes. Right. And I I watched some of New Japan after seeing uh, Fergal's entrance at that pay per view where he came out of the coffin. Oh, I was yeah. On, I read it Squared Circle and I was seeing gifts of stuff and you know. But I, I wouldn't say I was like a diehard keeping up to date with it fan because I don't think there's even like, is there a weekly show to watch or anything? Or There is, but it's like, it's matches from maybe six months to a year ago. It's got English language commentary. They've got a streaming service and they put all the events on, but obviously, honestly, a lot of them are quite inessential. Like they'll do house shows, which are entirely tag matches. Oh uh, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. You, you can, you can watch the, just the big shows of new Japan because the angles are very simple. So you can, you basically, yeah, you can just cherry pack really. I'm in the I'm in a similar boat where it's like I wish I was, but after the you know whatever 27 hours of WWE programming a <laughs> week or whatever yeah. it is, and then all the rest of it is ah oh, it, it's so hard to keep up with. We try and keep up with our local indie promotion here. We have um Southside Wrestling runs out oh, where, right. where we're from, oh, right. so it's we try and keep up with that. How long has it been since you've been to a show? Maybe two years. Oh, it's been ages, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. You 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 you're drowning in uh, in content uh, nowadays as as wrestling fan. The days of having to send away through the want ads in the Wrestling Observer newsletter for a VHS cassette in a brown paper bag <laughs> recorded using long play are uh, are very much a thing of the past. And some would say that's a shame. I have a question about that actually. Do you think that Americans did that for Robot Wars? <laughs> <laughs> when it was on, do you think there was a guy in Wyoming sending away to like? 
Dave from Ultringham who is like <laughs> recording everything off BBC Two and then getting the, you know the end of like The Simpsons at the start. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh accidentally, god. Accidentally like videotaping it and then like putting on fucking Red Hood Diaries at the end because he forgot to wipe the tape. Um, <laughs> well, you say it did, it did start in the states. That's where Robot Wars all began. Yeah. So. There would have been the hardcore oh, fans who would want to would have wanted to see it. David, David, when did you when did you get into Robot Wars? To be honest, it's a very much a parallel with wrestling for like, for pretty much a, a whole generation of people. To be honest, is that as you said, like you watched SmackDown when you were a kid, you just turned it on. It was amazing. You just never stopped watching it. It was the exact same for me with Robot Wars because it was in the Holy Grail slot, half six Friday night, BBC Two after The Simpsons, and I right will literally watch anything if it was after the simpsons when i was a kid to the point right <laughs> this is a reference that none of you will get because george's you know that it was from exeter where is, is it where, where is it you're from uh, we're cambridgeshire like, boys cambridgeshire right in scotland what did you get on thursday night at like half six um like bbc2 can you remember what you got it was was it buffy the vampire slayer or uh, might have been right it was that or Bab- babylon 5 or something in scotland we did not get Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Babylon 5. Instead, we got Danish, which is a Gaelic-based program <laughs> to tick a box, where genuinely it's like a Gaelic kids program that they have for an hour, an hour, and then they have another half hour of a program called Yorpa, which was a Gaelic program about the European Union. I'm shitting you not. <laughs> what <laughs> the? But, like, they had, a, they had a contract where they had to have, like, a certain amount of Gaelic programming. So they would always have, like, after Simpsons, they'd have Danish, where they'd have, like, Gaelic kid shows. So um, Dottoman was the big one. Everyone remembers Dottoman. And they used to have, like, Gaelic Rugrats. So I'd sit... And I would sit and watch fucking Dottoman and the Gaelic Rugrats, right? What, because... What's Gaelic for, for I'm not Tommy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, oh, God. I, no, I don't, see, I don't know a word of Gaelic. I went to a school where I had a Gaelic unit, but I didn't know a single word of Gaelic. But I used to sit and watch like an hour and a half of Gaelic programming because I used to watch the TV upstairs and I couldn't be bothered changing the channel. So I used to watch <laughs> Robot Wars, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I think it was on. Um, I think it was maybe Babylon Five. We didn't get, but we also get Star Trek: The Next Generation. Oh yes, yep, always. Uh, Star Galactica, Robot and Robot Wars. That was that was it. Like you know, so every every day at half six, me and my sister would watch whatever anything they put on. I used to put. I think they put on. Seinfeld on for a while as well and we watched that just because it was on after the Simpsons and then like this went on to when they changed it to Channel 4 where I used to just watch Hollyoaks for like months <laughs> <laughs> you know it's that that's that half sex Simpsons syndrome like it's Holly- fuck it can't be more change I'll just watch Hollyoaks it's fine it, it, Simpsons is it's not a soporific it just puts you in just a lovely mood where you get all cosy You've watched an episode of the greatest TV series ever made, especially back in the 90s where, like, they were yeah. producing new episodes still and they were actually good. And yeah. you could put on a random Simpsons episode on BBC Two and it probably would be an all-time classic. And, yeah, yeah. then you'd have uh, Fresh Prince as well. That used to be on. And exactly, yeah. B- BBC, yeah. BBC Two's shit now. It's just, uh, it's just flog it. Oh, God, yeah, <laughs> antique shows, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, and fucking eggheads, right? No, eggheads, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, as you'll know, right, George will know, and as anyone who's listening to this podcast know, I fucking love quiz shows. I, I live and breathe quiz shows, right? 
Um, I, I, as I mentioned once, I once um, asked the head of programming at Sky why they weren't showing more episodes of Supermarket Sweep and Challenge. Um, <laughs> that is a genuinely um, good question. Yeah. <laughs> it was, and he gave me a genuinely good answer. So, like, it, yeah, it was, it was really good. But, like, with that, um, I just don't really care about eggheads. I never watch it because it's Boring. eggheads. Like... <laughs> I, I mean, speaking. Too busy watching Hollyoaks, mate. I mean, speaking as someone who has appeared on a BBC Two quiz show, like uh, Egg, Eggheads is bollocks. <laughs> I, Would um... you trust someone if someone went, "Ah, oh, my favourite show, yeah, Eggheads, mate"? No. Oh, <laughs> what if Ninety <laughs> Simpsons was on first? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. no, 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 no. no. <laughs> Oh, it's Sophie's choice right now. Where that woman had to choose between her two daughters as to who died. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> Best friends are talking pie. Um, I think I'm trying to think what my first. Ro- I was uh, I was quite bored at work today. I'm going to be honest. So I actually got to like doing a bit of prep for the episode, and um, I was trying to think Sailor. what my what my first robot wars. Um, uh, episode was and on episode one of the podcast uh, i revealed that the first ever wrestling show i watched was the 2001 royal rumble which is one of the greatest Great wrestling pay-per-views of all time it, it's is yeah. wonderful probably the best rumble as well and um my first robot wars episode was actually weirdly enough i must have been catching the back end of it the uh, uh series three grand final uh chaos two versus hypnodisc oh like oh. it's a it's a good i wasn't aware at the time like just what a dream match that was, um, but uh, yeah, looking back, uh, looking back on it now, it's not actually that good a match because Hypnodisc gets flipped in like the first minute or so. It doesn't didn't have a stream at the time, and it, the rest of the fight is Chaos Two just going around murking the house robots, which is admittedly very entertaining. <laughs> but um, so I just, but yeah, I was just completely transfixed by it, and uh, actually pestered my da- I pestered my dad to build a robot. And I had it. Uh, I had it. De- I think we've all probably done this at some point. Um, like designed your own robot. <laughs> uh, well, I I've genuinely thought of this. I've always thought that we should do it for the for our website. We should do like a, a like a feature where we like build a robot and then like enter it in robot wars and get absolutely fucking minced in the qualifiers. <laughs> we've considered like, the same. Yep. <laughs> oh, nice. We know all those people saying, "Oh, you know, how can Dave Meltzer comment on wrestling when he's never been in the ring?" Well, if we if we entered Robot Wars, we would instantly <laughs> yeah, gain some credibility it. by the same. That's that. um, I, I think we, we should have like a. Um, it should be like space. You know, we have the underground Robot Wars yeah. versus the Activate podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's basically what Robot Wars has been, really, uh, in the sort of interregnum between uh, Series Seven and the revival. I mean. It, it was still going on, just a, a live ro- robot uh, combat events, because I know there's some robots which are quite new to TV viewers, such as um, uh, TR2, for instance, or like, robots of that ilk, who have actually been amassing very good records on the, if we can call it the indie circuit. It's essentially oh, what it is. It's pretty much like British wrestling, and it, it was yeah. really huge. It was on the telly, everyone remembered it, then it went away, and now it's came back. But it got a series on like, World of Sport. <laughs> 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 Fuck you, Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away from my robots. It's like you, 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 you can't melt them down into gold. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, but basically, what, what we thought we'd do with this episode is 
goes over a number of aspects of Robot Wars which make it pro wrestling. And the reason we say everything is pro wrestling is because everything genuinely is pro wrestling. And to give you an example, I recently, this proves how cool I am, I went to a uh, medieval combat tournament at the uh, Royal Armouries in Leeds uh, with my girlfriend Sarah, a uh, sometime contributor to this, uh, to this podcast and to our website. And I was sort of expecting a lot of medieval pomp and pageantry and comely maidens in those weird conical hats and um i did not expect the knights some of the knights to come out to uh entrance music which uh i think one of the teams came out to back in black and uh nice. another team came out to we will rock you so that was weird enough but then when you actually go into the royal armory's uh museum you have um we went to a room where they showed armour that was used for jousting tournaments and uh, saw a little panel about the Field of the Cloth of Gold, the uh, notorious festival in which uh, Henry VIII challenged, uh, I think he was the Holy Roman Emperor, to uh, to a wrestling match and uh, lost due to what we could call heel tactics using modern day parlance and then um, stormed off and a month later uh, had started a war against uh, <laughs> which i mean jesus christ you think that wwe faces are sometimes sore losers um and then we also saw a medieval demonstration between uh two knights of sword combat and they actually had a heel in the face and uh, even went two out of three falls and then going over to another cabinet there was a uh iron mask that would be used to try and terrify the opposing jouster and on the little panel explaining the historical context they had chosen an example of masks being used in the modern day and the example they had chosen was Kane. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> and you can actually go to the Royal Armies and see all this stuff. And I, I just I just leaned over to Sarah and went, everything literally is pro wrestling, isn't it? And so that's what we're going to try and prove, as we've said before, with this episode. So the first reason we would like to put it to you that Robot Wars is like pro wrestling is uh, the spectacle. So we're talking things like uh, the commentary, the judges, general presentation of it, because what pro wrestling is at the end of the day is uh, some promoters came to the realisation that what is basically a combat sport leaves a little bit of something extra to sell it to a mass audience. And, you know, robots knocking lumps out of each other is inherently entertaining, but at the same time, it doesn't it wouldn't quite have the, I think, mass market appeal that it does without all the showmanship and uh, the, the things that you tend to see on uh, BBC Two. So I'm trying to think what aspect of... Um... OK, let's start with one aspect of the spectacle, uh, the commentary on Robot Wars. Oh. I mean, like, can we all agree right now it's a crying shame Jonathan Pierce has never commentated on wrestling? Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, God, God could you I... imagine? It'd be... <laughs> He would be incredible. He would be so, so good at it. He'd make everything seem amazing. It yeah, wouldn't matter what the quality was. the opposite of the Raw commentary team. <laughs> <laughs> they, they should have got him to do uh, World of Sport rather than uh, fucking uh, Jim Ross and Alex Shane. I know we're ragging on World of Sport a lot, but that, that it is low-hanging fruit, to be honest it, with you. It does have Alex Shane in it, so it deserves a bathroom, to be honest. <laughs> big, big panto genie of a man. <laughs> you could have he could do it. He could be there, yeah. Jerry Styles. He could totally do that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, he could one man it easily. Yeah, and and like well, J- Joey Styles, like I think, or like yeah, J- Joey Styles commentating on Robot Wars, and like robots have no gender, so like he couldn't he couldn't say anything untoward in that. That's the perfect setting for himself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, can't, he can't bring out his uh, interesting opinions. <laughs> Don't you know that if Donald Trump was here, he would have grabbed Matilda by the tail saw. <laughs> Oh, Donald Trump is totally going to be in our um, 
activate Hall of Fame up there with <laughs> put him in another one. Why not? Yeah, why not? He's already in. <laughs> oh my god, we've got a uh, Hall of Famer as the president of America. I don't know, I don't know if you would, but do you guys know the robots that are in this upcoming season? Um, I, I went to the the tapings. Oh, which um which ones were you there at? Uh oh god, I went to Oh fuck. It was it, oh. I think it was the second day of taping. It wasn't like the grand final or anything like that. I think it was a semi-final taping. Um, and because I'm not a scab cunt who goes to see Loach Underground, I'm not giving any spoilers, right? <laughs> but, um, no, there's spoilers embargo because genuinely, like, it, like, it was one of the great... This sounds really silly. It, it doesn't really. It was one of the greatest days of my life. Like, to put it into perspective, right? Me and my wife, right, got married like three years ago. Three, four years ago now, next month. Yeah, four years. We were an hour late for our wedding, both of us. So I was an hour <laughs> late because I was waiting on her getting ready. So that she had to get... Basically, her mum was doing getting her ready and she was then giving me a lift. So we were an hour late for our own wedding. But me and my wife were so determined to see Robot Wars, we got there an hour and a half early. Which Amazing. tells us a lot about our priorities. Amazing. Amazing. An hour and a half early to see Robot Wars and an hour late for her own wedding because, I mean, like, my, my, my wife's big into Robot Wars. Not as big, she's not doing a podcast, she's not that sad, but, you know, like, <laughs> um, like she's she really into it and, like, she, uh, like, I mean, we, we've always said that, um, I've always said that the only thing I, one of the things I look for in wrestling is I wanted to make me feel nine years old again. And Robot Wars does this, and I actively like physically become nine years old when I watch it because I, I like jump and like shout and stuff like. That. Like I remember at the tapings, my wife had to tell me to calm down uh, because <laughs> I was being too enthusiastic because I was telling them to kick his fucking head in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, there was lots of children. That's probably why. But yeah, like it's that's what happens when you film in Glasgow. <laughs> And yeah, this yeah. what happens in the film, guys. And like with it, I, I genuinely say, like George, the next time, see the next tapings. I implore you, you need to come with us. You, you, and, you and Sarah need to come with us because I feel that if you are a Robot Wars fan, it's it's genuinely going to Corican Hall in Japan or Arena Mexico in Mexico because it, there is nothing like it. Like it, it the the arena is it's just a big fucking warehouse. Like it's just a huge warehouse that they have, and they just like build. They build these big arenas and you have the pits and all that and you walk about and the the scale of like the warehouse things that is absolutely breathtaking and it's re- it's really slow like to be honest pulling back the curtain a bit is really really slow because it's three minutes on TV and forty five minutes to set up. Well, you clear loads all the of set up, loads going on. Yeah, you have to clear the robots, put the new robots in, do all the post match you know analysis stuff like that, and. Like it, it is really slow, but and like the one we went to, somebody got trapped inside the floor, as in they cut a like they cut a part out of the floor, and then gets wedged into it. And they, oh, actually, that's what they got caught in the wall, and they had to cut him free. They had to cut the <laughs> they had to like, genuinely use the jaws of life like a <laughs> I bet you're regretting getting rid of Sergeant Bash now, you fuckers. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Just this, like, this horrific. It was like genuine, just like harsh silence as they were trying to cut this man out, and everyone like serious concern for this inanimate object. <laughs> but that's the thing with Robot Wars. It's like you said, it's slow. When you're there, oh god, is it slow? But those moments, 
are irreplaceable. They're incredible. Oh yeah. I mean, like, I, I, I will cherish it, and like, I will go back. Like, I was tempted to just like turn up and try to blag to get in the next day. Just gen- by like, my wife was away to work, and I was like. I could I could get a bus to Renfrew. I I could find this place. Like yeah, no problem. <laughs> Was it like going to a TNA house show where uh, you know, Jeremy Borash comes out and says the rowdiest fans are gonna get to go backstage and meet Crackers and Smash? <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know who does it? Do you know who does it? Oh, it's um, uh, it's uh, Billy Kirkwood from uh, ICW, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, he's yeah he's the warm up guy. Yeah. And the the funniest thing about it is that it's not Billy Kirkwood from ICW. Like he'll put in a few saucy remarks, you know that way where yeah like, you, yeah. But um, he knows he has to tone it down for like the the the, the children in, in attendance. I mean, a typical typical Billy Kirkwood one liner would would be um, I've I've got a cock like Shawn Michaels. It no longer works, and it's got a squinty eye. <laughs> <laughs> I think like going back to the. Going back to the commentary, who, who of wrestling commentators? It seemed like we said Jonathan Pierce would be a great wrestling commentator. Um, I think I'm trying to think about the uh, the best Jonathan Pierce moment. We'll come to it in a bit when we discuss uh, faces and heels because there's a particularly great reaction he does at some point. But um, which wrestling commentators do we think would do a good job at Robot Wars? Well, they have to speak pretty fast because that is kind of how fast it comes across on tv for robot wars it's well, a different pace to wrestling that's for definite the benefit they have of robot wars which i guess they do a lot with a, a lot of wrestling depending on what you're what you're watching is it isn't live <laughs> um so he's recording that knowing exactly what's going to happen jonathan pierce so i guess he gets the the benefit of being able to think oh but even he may even have some stuff written for him i don't know for sure that could happen um but when it comes to who would be good I suppose from the wrestling world, Vince himself would be quite good. But he's quite good about, <laughs> you know, when like Vince did commentary, he would always like be talking about something. But when something happened in the ring, he would suddenly like change and say what was happening in the ring. It'd be like really quick and fluid. The, That'd be perfect. I mean, like my favorite Vince comment- commentary is like um, halftime heat, uh, the uh, the nineteen ninety nine match between uh, so Rock and uh, and Mankind, and like Vince for some reason, like he's really trying to get. Um, WWE across and so he's talking about like oh it's action adventure he does this really great definition which really sums up his product but he's trying to get it across to like all fans so he spends quite a lot of time talking about how handsome The Rock is <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> it's like, and look, if you if you're not that into in, into wrestling, if you're a guy and a girl who just want or a girl who just wants to look at uh, look at handsome blokes, you know, we got those as well. But like, I think Vince could. Vince is he's a he's a commentator, but he is also a salesman. Oh, carbide with the saw, what a maneuver! What a maneuver! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear him say that. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, there's no like technical move names he'd have to remember. He wouldn't have to remember what uh, a back suplex is or a figure four or anything like that. It's it's mostly just at the end of the day flipping and soaring and and things whacking into each other. So I think he would negate one of his real real weaknesses as a commentator. Self writing. He'd have to remember that. What a maneuver all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well on the opposite end of the spectrum, I think Joey Styles would be great. I'd love to hear what he calls half the moves. And then <laughs> and then just his screaming of <laughs> his hoarse voice by the end of the match. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god in the pit <laughs> Like he, uh, he just he just uh, sees the uh, sees the pit lowering and like you see sea levels are actually going down. 
<laughs> Barack Hussein Obama. Do you guys uh, remember XPW? Oh, oh Jesus, yes. Do you remember they had a fake uh, Joey Styles on there? It was some guy, and instead of going, "Oh my God," he used to go. <laughs> I take it back. That guy. I want that guy from yeah. Robot Wars. <laughs> I'll tell you who else I think might have been uh, good. This is a bit of a left field um, uh, selection. Uh, Mike Adamley, I think, might have been a good Robot Wars commentator. Because basically in the UK, we used to have World of Sport on the telly. And uh, then that got taken off. And throughout the 90s, we, we didn't have a British wrestling promotion on mainstream TV. Um, you know, no, no, nothing, really. We had WCW and WWF, but nothing that was British. And um, so basically, for the if you didn't have... Um, if you didn't have uh, cable or satellite, you, the things that were really the closest thing to um, British professional wrestling were A, Robot Wars, as we've been arguing, and B, Gladiators. And Mike Adamley oh, actually uh, was the commentator on the American version of that. So I think, like, again, in the same way that Mike Adamley didn't know what he was doing in terms of the wrestling moves, but he was clearly a competent broadcaster at something. It wasn't pro wrestling. Yeah. But um, I think I think he would have been I think he would have been quite good. Um, Cause, yeah, because the other two I thought of well, I'm a bit torn on it because he's a good commentator, but he has his downsides. Model Ronaldo I think would be he would certainly convey the emotion of um, doing it, but he'd probably put in some like obscure rap reference that I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. Probably detract from it. The other one is anybody from New Japan. Yes. I think New Japan would be so good at doing it. I don't even think there is a Japanese robot. I was going to ask, do you guys know if there's a a Japanese robot? It's surprisingly not popular. There is a small league, isn't there? But their their style of robot fighting is completely different. They have, like, robots with pre-programmed martial art moves that sort of (laughs) balance balance on two legs and sort of like, yeah, I don't know, it's completely different. It's almost like they, yeah, it's almost like it's too naff for them. I don't think they'd see that side of it. Mm. Because I know that um, I've watched this like incessantly on YouTube, um, but uh, there is like a like it, it seems to be like technology expos. Uh, they seem to have like tiny miniature robots that like legitimately wrestle each other. So it's like they they can use it to make do like hip tosses and things like that and suplexes and all that. And there's like tons of these videos on YouTube, and it's like they put a tiny ring and they have a tiny belt for it and all that. <laughs> But it's not like Robot Wars in the same way, because it's genuinely them trying to do wrestling moves with robots, which is tiny ones. Does this mean humanity has actually managed to produce artificial life, which is which are better workers than Giant Gonzalez? <laughs> <laughs> is that difficult? <laughs> I will not have anyone on this podcast besmirch the good name of Elke Hanty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm quite surprised it's not that big in Japan, because, like, I mean, part of, again, going back to us talking about the spectacle... Uh, the differences between uh, BattleBots and uh, Robot Wars. And the thing is about BattleBots is it's got that, in the same way that Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares USA is a very different beast to Ramsey's <laughs> Kitchen Nightmares UK, and I've studied both extensively, um, it's got that sort of <laughs> slick American sheen to it. They're all fucking sponsored by like, aerospace companies and have like university scholarships and There's military a lot yeah, of like, money funding. That goes into BattleBots, a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine people who like spend their day job like designing drones to send to the Yemen and then like in their spare time they're doing this i i kind of and the thing is i know that most of the 
competitors on BattleBots. I think the standard of the robots is higher than the ones we have, because as you say, like so much money goes into it. But at the same time, I quite like that on one hand you have robots like Carbide. The Carbide team clearly are professional engineers. And that's their line of work. But then you get, like, from um, your first episodes about season one, a school teacher dragging <laughs> some pupils from yeah. girls' grammar school along to basically watch while he, like, <laughs> pilots a robot. And then you've got um, Apollo, who were Robot Wars champions. And they're basically just a bunch of lads. They're, like, holiday camp entertainers. And again, another another wrestling uh, another wrestling connection there. But um, I kind of like quite like the hobbyist sort of aspect of the UK version. I mean, this is the thing I I liken BattleBots to like Dean Malenko or Volcan, right? <laughs> Technically, they are the greatest in the world, right? <laughs> so like, the, no no one like if you had a pure wrestling contest against Volcan, Volcan would murder you, right? Because he's like a fucking Russian military instructor who like is fluent in sambo and can like tie you up in knots that you couldn't believe. But in terms of like actual professional wrestling, Volcan is not the best because well he's a sambo military instructor who doesn't <laughs> know how to um, you know uh, like work basically. You, you would you would you would not dare to venture this opinion if Daniel was here. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, this no, is a man who named a band right? after him. <laughs> yeah, she named a band after Volcan, and like, to be honest, I understand because I love Volcan. But like, I mean, we could all agree that if like if it's a difference between like Volcan and some like mental lucha brawl, you're probably going to take the lucha brawl with all the blood and things of that on there because it's it's a big spectacle. Yeah, and the battle boss is clean and clinical. I don't even know who makes the tea on those teams. And it's like I, I like I can't. It takes me out of it. I can't watch Robot Wars and not know who makes the tea in the team. Like my, you know, my, my this fav- guy does the planning. This guy drives. This guy does, makes the tea. And my, that's it. My favorite role is um is when whenever they say someone does logistics, that uh, means yep. they're someone's mate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We got a space on the team. Yeah. yeah, come on. He drives the van. <laughs> yeah. I think the um the other aspect I I've, I've been quite interested in and how it relates to pro wrestling is the judges because can can you you two guys out off the top of your head can you think of a successful example where they've actually implemented judges into pro wrestling match and it's actually worked? Like do you do you guys watch do you guys watch TNA at all? Fleetingly now, used to. Yeah, um, cause, well, I mean, it used to be generally, genuinely good. They all say that. <laughs> they all say they used to watch TNA. It's like being a lapsed Catholic. <laughs> Wait, are we talking about TNA or Impact or Global Force or that <laughs> Global Force Wrestling <laughs> presents TNA Impact, I think you're fine. I would like to say that, um, as you were talking about a Voices Wrestling match, but I'm going to try and figure out a way to have the owl flying to the ring at anniversary as my match of the year on the Voices of Wrestling poll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, beautiful. <laughs> absolutely gripping and fascinates me and i've watched the clip like 45 times i just still don't understand it it's just such a riddle of course the owl is gripping that's how it stays on the thing anyway exactly. <laughs> it's like gripping about impact because <laughs> uh, like impact has a um uh, a belt called the grand championship which you might have seen and they work it in three minute rounds and they have uh, they have judges giving it scores like a uh, 10 9 10 8 as you would in ufc but and now, in theory, that is something you could do. You could do some good psychology in this, i.e. one of the wrestlers knows they've lost the first two rounds, so they spend the third round really fighting at it, going for a quick victory. There's a few possibities. Um, on the other hand, this is impact. 
so they don't really do anything with it and it's just used to have basically matches which otherwise would be boring matches are now boring matches with a couple of pauses in the middle and uh, <laughs> that's the thing but um the judging robot wars fascinates me because like do you know how they actually got into that like how did noel sharkey end up as a judge on robot wars that's God. a really good yeah. question because the judging team throughout the original series yeah changed up quite a bit no sharky's always been the guy the judge yeah. that sort of godly figure in the corner but then we also had eric dickinson and wow, adam okay. Harp. that was that back in season that was that the first season we're going back to old school first seasons yeah i was gonna say like my only experience of se- se- season one's actually through your podcast trust me that's all it's like that's all you need you really don't need to see it it's <laughs> Oh. <laughs> my guess is the way it was presented in the very very first season the way it was put together it was probably whoever they could find who was into who knew engineering slightly yeah and sinclair c5s sinclair c5s yeah yeah that was an important one but yeah i can't imagine a lot of thought went into it other than we need three judges now who do you know? Mind you, Noel Sharkey, he kind of has a, like, he's quite interesting personality kind of guy. So, and he also looks completely wacko sometimes. Yeah. So he's got like, like a bit of a TV draw to him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. There was a, there was a guy, there was a kid at my school who, uh, who always used to get the mick taken out of him because, because his dad looked like Noel Sharkey. <laughs> I would, I'd be proud. <laughs> but like, um, the thing is, I mean, yeah, you say like that's basically whoever they could have got. At the same time, it could have just been the producers if they'd have wanted. I, I know that, it, but to use academics gives them this air of legitimacy, which is pretty cool. But I don't think you need to be a professor of robotics to judge who won a fight <laughs> between two robots. Like they don't make the Las Vegas UFC judges. Like if you don't have a, a PhD in sports science, then I'm not <laughs> well, you get anywhere near this. Well, I mean, the thing was, is that, I mean, certainly I remember watching the Canelo-Golovkin fight. I mean, Canelo was up in style and control, but in damage and aggression. People say it was a controversial draw, but I mean, like, you know. Actually, one of my friends did text me during the uh, 2010 World Cup final uh, between Spain and the Netherlands and say they should just settle this via style control, damage and aggression. And I, I, I did say, well, the thing is, actually, Spain have got uh, um, uh, style and control. Netherlands have very much got damage and aggression shown. So, no. <laughs> Was that the one where he, put, where he kicked him? Yeah, oh, yeah. Nigel De Jong basically... Um, did a super kick to someone's chest and got a yellow. That was uh, trying to surpass Zidane's headbutt as the most grievous act of uh, violence in one of these. Uh, Noel Sharkey, by the way, is uh, worth a follow on Twitter as well. His profile picture is just him in some shades, and he's often live tweeting the actual episodes. So, like, that's pretty cool. He's great. He'll reply as well if you if you mess if you like tweet him and stuff he he, he loves a good uh robot wars debate so. oh does he i need to get in on this yeah he seems to be he, on, on twitter he seems to be a bit of a figurehead for robot wars he's always the one that's very active on it like more so than obviously anyone else uh but yeah he's he's always there funnily enough i once put on a, a fresh metal gig with a stage diving contest and we and we put on the poster that it was going to be judged by a style control. Oh, uh, I thought you. Uh, I thought you were going to say, and no, Sharky came and he won. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh well. <laughs> that's 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 bloody amazing. Like so, so, but basically, we've just you know we've talked a little bit about the um, the spectacle of robot wars, the sort of trappings of legitimate sports that um, professional wrestling uh, shares, really, because. If we didn't have things in WWE like um, a referee 
or um, commentary or anything like that. It would really be um, a fight scene rather than yeah. uh, professional yeah. wrestling. That actually, that's the thought. Before we move on to faces and heels, um, and I know you haven't got up to this point in your in your podcast timeline yet. But what do you guys think of Refbot? What are your opinions on Refbot? Gimmicky. Yeah. <laughs> in many ways. I like it, but in many other ways, it's almost a dangerous thing to have because Robot Wars always has the issue, old school Robot Wars uh, predominantly, what happens is what the producers want. The producers are Vince, and if he wants Roman not going over, Roman's going over. If the producers of Robot Wars want Sir Killalot to go over, he's fucking going over, mate. (laughs) You're not getting away from it. And RefBot, there were a couple of occasions, to memory, it's been a long time now, where you could argue... It changed things maybe for the worst. I like the general idea of the ref bot. Maybe not the execution fully. I, I mean, the, uh, the the good thing about uh, about uh, the ref bot in Robot Wars, it is not programmed to sell bootleg merch off the back of a van like Earl Hebner. So, uh... That we know of. <laughs> well, let's get away with it. <laughs> uh, he's got the hang of it. Putting in the allegedly's for us, I would love it if Refbot was in for a carbide match and just get caught by the police, <laughs> and was just never seen again. The thing is, like wailing on the Refbot became a bit of a thing because if you're a really good robot, like you've got an amazing flipper, like uh, like uh, Chaos Two back in the day or Apollo, then you can have a go for uh, your dead metals and your shunts. Uh, and even have a go at a puppet to kill a lot if you like. And of course, there's the uh, the time uh, razor, uh, somewhat obliterated Matilda, and Matilda end up getting set on fire. However, if you're sort of of the second echelon of robot quality, then you can't take on dead metal or shunt, but you can take on Refbot. Go beat up Refbot <laughs> for a little while. Good It'd be Refbot. great if like if you rendered Refbot like incapacitated it meant the rules no longer applied and you just yeah. run to the arena with a hammer and just hit the other robot <laughs> throw yeah, back out again. Just out the belt. <laughs> you go in the pit but you get out before <laughs> and then the ref bot gets back up afterwards oh, no. <laughs> it's wheelie big cheese the original gangster is here he made good on his promise interference that's, okay. what, all of a or, that's what i want i want the, like, the ref to be bumped as a as a robot as a mobile <laughs> and then like gets back up Goes in a big flurry, immobilizes the other robot, and then the ref bot. <laughs> He's won. So he loses him. I want a dusty finish. You want Dara O'Brien to go like, now hold on a minute, player. <laughs> Dara's music hits. <laughs> <laughs> Dara's music hits just the theme tune to Mock the Week. Yeah. <laughs> does, does that make Angela Scanlon his Rodney Mack? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, um, and Angela Scanlon waved and smiled at me, and um, I felt weak at the knees. Um, Is it the fact that, that like that she she shares an outfit with Eric Rowan, <laughs> and they're both redheads? Ooh. That is true, actually. Remember that two week period where they just kept calling Eric Rowan Big Red? Yeah, Big Red. <laughs> big red <laughs> every yeah. every opportunity, like and like, it didn't get over, so they they dropped it. She could be the little red to his big red. Moving on from the spectacle, I think it's time to talk about another aspect of of pro wrestling that robot war shares and that is uh faces and heels now we should um say at this point that i think let's start with heels because i think this might be the easiest one to talk about um there are different kinds of heels in uh robot wars and it's mostly among the the teams rather than the robots i think it's fair to say because 
The only heel thing robots can really do in uh, Robot Wars is be boring. Razor and Hypnodisc, if they're wrestlers, they're committing acts of sadism on opponents who are hopelessly unprepared to deal with what's being flung at them. That in many ways could be portrayed as heelish behaviour, but it's Robot Wars, so everyone likes robots being ripped apart. You know, it's all part of the fun. The one thing you can really do as a heel as a robot is be dull. Um, I don't know if you, you guys must remember that. Uh, I can't remember who the fight was between in the last series, but the one where they only oh. showed like 10 seconds of it because literally nothing happened and then Daro Bren basically <laughs> just gave the teams a lecture. I remember exactly what you were talking I can't remember the teams in it, but oh god, yeah, that was a... I was dog shit I, 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 I think I think you might have given that the uh, the uh, dreaded dud rating on our... Uh... I think I did, and I never give duds, and I was, oh man, and even I, like, there is a sort of art in having a shit match, <laughs> even that, it, no, there was nothing to it. Actually, going back to uh, Pride, the, the episode we were meant to be doing, is like uh, Nobuhiko Takada, who we are huge fans of on the podcast, the uh, former pro wrestler turned MMA fighter, who found himself in a bit of bother when he became an MMA fighter fighter because he had put himself across as a great fighter in his shoot style wrestling promotion and it turned out he wasn't much cop at actual fighting and so after a couple of <laughs> notable ass kickings by uh, various terrifying people um i can't remember the name of the guy he fought but literally the whole of the first round is these two circling each other no one throws a punch no one throws a kick it is just like watching a whirlpool. <laughs> That's basically the MMA equivalent of that. But but, but basically, robots have a hard time being heels because fighting robots are inherently cool. However, um, going on to the teams, there are two types of heels amongst Robot Wars teams. The first, the teams who have a sort of heel gimmick. Then there are also roboteers who do come across as as shoot arseholes as well. <laughs> Few and far between. Most people in Robot Wars do tend to be sound, but I'm thinking actually I I, I don't I he, he's probably not a bad guy in real life. But the best one from the previous series was uh, Ant from the Behemoth team. Um, oh no! Yeah. Storming off after um, that really went after south. Losing to some children. <laughs> it it all looked so much worse than what it was as well. <laughs> it's- so majestic. <laughs> it, is, it was absolutely wonderful. Like, I must have rewound it like six times. Well, it just went viral, didn't it? All of a sudden it was everywhere. <laughs> yeah, front page of Reddit, on the oh. news. Oh. The thing is, right, that he he was totally yeah. in the right. Like, he was totally, like, he was right. They shouldn't have went for that stupid... stupid... Experimental weird grabber weapon. Yeah. Terrible yeah. idea. Let's go all avant-garde. Barbershop is getting stale. Let's put a fucking scoop in the fucking... <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking Robot Wars in strange new directions. <laughs> put a nice big dunk on it. Like yeah, it's um it, yeah, it was weird because they would have won that fight if they just stuck with the normal scoop because the 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 other robot wasn't really up to much. But and so this guy had been outvoted by his team and then they'd lost because the new weapon was shite. And I feel for the guy because like he he's somewhat of a veteran of uh, robot wars. I mean, Behemoth, oh, long time yes, veteran, was you know, a competitor in most of the original series. He was the team captain. <laughs> it's just it's just really and like that's probably what he's going to be known for. And that's quite sad because he's been such a good competitor. Uh, the rest of the time. Oh, um, the other one was, I remember you guys talking about Foxy. Oh, Craig Danby. He's yeah. great. 
He's actually he's a nelly, he's a lovely bloke. He went he just went full on with the heel persona. Cause why not? And I yeah. I think because so few in this era of Robot Wars, where it's been taken a bit more seriously as a engineering kind of show, they do their little promo packages for each robot where they're a bit more gimmicky, but they say the same stuff. Oh yeah, we're gonna win. We might smash him up a little bit. Oh, we're gonna try. <laughs> he just went full on like I'm I'm the fucking best. <laughs> if other, if others were doing it, no one would have battered an eyelid. But because he's no, the that, only one who thought, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be that theatrical guy. I'm going to be the heel. <laughs> there was also the guy from uh, Dan Tom Kier who had basically oh, sto- God, so stolen much. David Atunga's gimmick and was just going around with this coffee the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My favourite heel promo of the whole series, he owned his own engineering company. And it cost him like sixteen grand to make this robot. Do you remember this? Yes. Oh shit! Yep. Oh. What was his name? He wasn't the millionaire oh, bloke, fuck, was he? What was his name? I'm going to frantically search for it. But he basically cut a promo where he's like, "I'm a fucking aerospace engineer, right?" Rapid is that the name of it? Because RPD is the company. Yes, that was yeah. it. <laughs> yes, Rapid. That was the one. And he's like, "Look, I've spent sixteen grand on this. Nobody else stands a chance. If I lose, it's because I was an idiot." And I made a mistake. And immediately when you watch it, this guy's a prick. I hope hope he gets completely humbled. And then, who was it? It was like some... Wasn't there somebody that had made a robot that was like 130 quid and it looked like a fucking car boot sale? They put it up against this aerospace engineer and then they just pitied him in like 15 seconds. Pitied a 16 grand aerospace project. The the best part was they couldn't repair it and they had to withdraw well, when yeah. you make something using the best possible technology, like it was essentially factory built, which meant it would have to be factory repaired. And sure, we're in essentially a big warehouse, but what are you going to do? He can't just go, here's 20 grand, I'll fix it in 20 minutes. It doesn't work that way. It was, yeah, that it was, was ruined. It was just a solemn promo that he cut to camera going, um, yeah, um, we can fix it, but we've designed our um, robot to be so intricate that it's physically impossible for to do it, for us to do it and today, so we have to retire. I'm like, you were a smart ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Learned the hard way by losing nearly 20 grand. <laughs> that was just the best schadenfreude moment in, in the history of Robot Wars. It was it was so funny. Like, I think, like, I want to get uh, you guys' opinions. Like, I mean, you guys being the Robot Wars experts, you said, like, the teams tend to be a little bit more serious now. What about, like, the great heel gimmicks from the past? There's a couple that I can think of. Mortis were brilliant oh, at it. It has to be Mortis. They were first, perfect yeah. because yeah. Cambridge-educated, fully-funded... Perfect machine, yeah. Beaten by uh, a, a essentially a baby face. Well, <laughs> beaten by Recyclops, which was almost completely free to build and made by the by the guy who made Brum, and it was just perfect, <laughs> absolutely perfect. And they contested results yeah. all the time. Again, it's one of those cases they weren't actually nearly as bad as what they were made out on TV. A lot of it. They were encouraged. Go on, go and challenge that result, and then they would, and then they'd be like, "No, you can't." What are you talk? Why you twats? <laughs> they were oh. <laughs> but it, on TV, yeah, perfect heels because you want to hate the smart ass who then gets his ass handed to him after. Oh, essentially the same as Rapid. You want yeah, that? Yeah. And Mortis would uh, later be known as Chris Canyon. <laughs> 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 and um, 
I think probably the other two ones were, they were kind of quite similar gimmicks, but um, Sacromalot and Plunderbird. This was the best ever undercard Robot Wars feud, because neither of those robots ever came close to winning the competition, <laughs> or even challenging, but they had this sort of weird feud going on, because they basically had the same gimmick, which was the management from uh, Hail and Pace, coming out <laughs> in their bloody tuxedos and the sunglasses, I think... One of them arrived by helicopter one time. <laughs> yeah, oh you're God. right, you're right. It's, it's oh, I love that. I love that they just went for it. I, you know, so if I was a wrestling heel, right, if I was like rich, I would totally become a, 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 a go and like wrestle on like some shitty indie fed and hire a helicopter to take me to like <laughs> town hall. <laughs> we can't physically land this helicopter within five miles of the venue. I don't care. <laughs> all, all we need to do is, I mean, if there's one thing we know from um, from uh, Hulk Hogan is that uh, wrestlers can actually see objects from like miles across a city. <laughs> I would like to contest your point that robots can't be heels, right? I okay. give you exhibit A to through to Z. Fucking carbide, right? Is I I this is this is the reason that my that carbide versus Apollo got into my voices wrestling top ten. Because Carbide is Brock Lesnar. He just destroys everyone like in total like no with like no compassion whatsoever. They went up against a team who they get stuck or something like that and like I think general parlance, or like, you know, general etiquette was that they let them get back out and they wouldn't attack them. Like, they were in a vulnerable position and they could right themselves, but they had to, they, like, general normal, like, competitors would uh, give them a minute to kind of sort themselves. Like, I feel like, I think they maybe lost uh, lost a wheel and they spun round and round and round and there was like, no way they could like, attack them. And Carvey just went, nah, fuck it. And they just went and wrecked this poor thing, like, I mean, like, totally towed it from limb to limb and like it, there's a point where the roboteers turn to them and go look we can't do anything we're done like we're just waiting for the count and they, they, they went to them and then they can't be like we'll just smash them yeah and just fucking rip through them <laughs> well there was um a, in the I, I actually listened to this episode of activate uh, today at work so there was um i worked very hard today as you can tell yeah. um, <laughs> it was the um the uh the grand final of uh, the season one of the reboot and it wasn't Apollo versus Carbide that you nominate for voice of wrestling but it was uh, the round robin of the grand final where uh, Carbide actually uh, beat Apollo as I seem to remember and actually had a little nibble at it um, after after the bell yeah. that's the the robot wars equivalent of uh, um, there was a period of about two or three years where every time Alberto Del Rio lost a match on pay-per-view, the next draw, he would wrestle some jobber and he would hold on the armbar for too long after the bell to send a message to the locker room. <laughs> and then, as Carbide was doing, he was sending a message to the locker room that, yeah, I'm here. And then, like, I, I hated him. After that, I, I genuinely fucking despised him. And I was like, my God, he's an actual wrestling heel because I, I wanted him to lose so much, like wrestling like since i got back into it in 2010 i don't think i've ever seen a heel i've wanted to see lose more than carbide <laughs> like, you, want the genuinely... up, you want someone to get that upset now don't yeah, you? you really yeah. want it because oh yeah and like and then there was the semi-final where it was against nuts oh and nuts oh, nuts. oh man oh. i i was out my chair i was i'm a very animated person and i got up and my my wife likes carbide because well he's a badass so like why wouldn't you and like she she loves him and we, me and my wife were at odds, like, in the final, where, like, I wanted Carbide to lose horrendously, and she wanted him to win. 
but it was like Carvey versus Nuts when Nuts was like clearly outmatched, but it was like any man with two hands has a chance. <laughs> it's James Hilfer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, and he gave it in and, like, exposed the weakness. And I was like, right, this is this is classic storytelling. Work the limb, you know. Work <laughs> that body part. And, like, you went in, he's got a weak body part. You just work it and you'll win, Apollo. Um, And, yeah, like, he's such a prick. I fucking hate him. God, even now, like, especially now. You, you're getting angry just to, just talking about Carbide. Oh, man. I, do, I, wa- I want to, before we move on to faces, I want to talk about possibly the best heel tactic in the history of Robot Wars. David and I were talking about it uh, just before we uh, started recording. Um, that is the uh, Season 6 Grand Final of uh, Tornado versus Razor. Oh. Tornado's notorious um, fra- metal frame slash anti-pit device. It's still controversial to this day. It's incredible. Absolutely. And the thing is, um, everyone loves Razor, obviously, because not only was Razor a destructive robot, it just looked awesome. As well, everyone loved Razor, and Tornado was—I mean, it had weaponry of a sort, but it was basically a Rambot, in the same way as uh, Storm Two. They're sometimes quite uh, hard to to really love ro- robots like that. I mean, clearly very impressive, um, in the same way that uh, you know Michael Schumacher was very impressive, but at the same same time very cold and clinical. And uh, so you've got Razor versus Tornado. And t- Tornado comes out. It's the equivalent of those... Um, do you remember when um, Michael Cole came out for that country whipping match wrapped in bubble wrap <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to protect himself? It was it was like that. Like, it was... Or, or Norman Smiley. Do you remember when Norman Smiley was a hardcore champion? He used to come to the ring in a suit of armour. <laughs> yeah, yeah like all his hockey gear, American yeah. Gear. Yeah, it was that. And the thing is, we're, this is, this was the thing I wanted to talk about when we were talking Jonathan Pierce. This was his best moment of commentary because Razor can't get at Tornado, obviously, because they've engineered the frame. Just it's, it's clearly just made from bits of crap they had lying around, <laughs> and it's just been welded to it. And um, obviously, Razor can't get any purchase on it because it's it's uh, the frame makes it that the actual body of Tornado is too far away from Razor. But then, after not being able to land a punch, Razor pushes Tornado towards the pit and. The frame is too big for the pit and Tornado can't go in. And Jonathan Pierce is just shouting, it's an anti-pit device. And you can tell, like, <laughs> this is peak. Like, you, you rarely see it. Once in, once in a blue moon, um, the Channel 5 90s UEFA Cup coverage level of apoplexy <laughs> that uh, Jonathan Pierce can reach. He was this weird mixture of, like, irate and actually weirdly impressed. In the same way, if you've ever listened to his comment, uh, radio commentary from when um, Eric Cantona uh, kicked that guy in the crowd and uh, got sent off. And this is peak Jonathan Pierce, And he's clearly very upset about this. But you could tell in the back of his mind, he was like, I tell you, that's a bloody good kung fu thing. <laughs> <laughs> Razor trying to force its way back into the final. You heard the pit release button being activated. Tornado! Can they take them to the arena sidewall and push them out? It must be their only hope this late on. Tornado's weight, a huge factor here. Oh, that they can't get them down the pit. Look at that. It's an anti-pit device as well. An APD. We have never seen one before. We've heard about them. We have never seen an APD until now. Yeah, because, like, with that, like, because when I watched it, 
because I watched that this just before we started. I, I, I watched that and at the exact same moment, to, with the when Razor actually gets purchase on him and lifts him up. Honestly, it's the Hogan Andre WrestleMania. 3. It's the slam. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's perfect. Just how like how much I popped for him lifting up. But yeah, like Jonathan Pierce is. He's going mental, which for Jonathan Pierce is saying a lot. <laughs> yeah. He's usually pretty fucking coked up whenever he's doing <laughs> so um, Allegedly. But yeah, allegedly, yes. But yeah, like, I, but it's that sort of way where it's like uh, when Maradona scored against England yeah. uh, with the hand of God. Where you're like, oh, you cunt. You know, like, you know where you're like, you know, you shouldn't have done that, but you did do it and like I wouldn't I wouldn't have done it I wouldn't have been able to do that like it's a it's a bit of nouse uh, yeah and, that, and that's the thing 10 minutes later Maradona scores possibly the greatest individual goal of all time that's the thing about it's the same about Maradona Tornado and you know um, the greatest wrestling heels the ones that you get the sense that they don't need to bend the rules because they're really good but they're gonna do it anyway in the same way as Rick Flair I don't know what did uh what did uh, what did you two guys think about the anti pit device? Do you think it was uh, do you think it was ingenious? Do you think it was a dick move or a bit of both? It has to be a bit of both, and it's still like I said, it's still controversial to this day. There's still pe- there are people out there that love it. There are people out there that think it's the best thing ever, and I don't know what they are like evil fucking horrible razor haters. Like how you can be that, I don't know. But that's that's part of the beauty of it is you got this robot that on the surface is quite boring. And it comes out with that frame, and you're like, oh, son of a bitch. You fucking need yeah. it. <laughs> and I can, only, I can only commend them for making that fight way more exciting than I ever thought it would be. It's an incredible fight. It's yeah. so, so good. It, that, this is probably the, that's one of the best face versus heel contests in the history of Robot It's so clear-cut as face um, versus heel as well. That's what makes it so easy. There's a moment where Razor gets caught on the saw blade of the side... And Tornado is literally just like hammering and hammering and hammering and hammering. And at that point, you're like, that's absolutely like Tornado, like Razor, you need to do that against Razor. But you think, you, can't, you know, it's, it looks just really horrible. It is like they just no mercy whatsoever. And you know that in order to beat Razor, you have to show no mercy. But it totally turned them. It's the same as like Bret Hart and Austin. Yep. Yeah. And they're like, Bret Hart and Austin, like, Austin bloodied face. He's the heel. He's meant to. You're meant to be hating him, and the crowd totally turn. And it's the same with like Razor, where Razor shows a sign of vulnerability. He looks mortal for once in his life. He looks mortal, and you're like, oh no, like oh no, you want Razor to overcome it? It's the it's the um, Undertaker at WrestleMania 33. That's uh, that's what it is. And then and then in Series Seven, Tornado just came out and would just sat there in the middle of the arena, and then said. <laughs> This is my yard now, and then just left. That's uh... <laughs> the chorus of booze. The... Yeah, <laughs> a great way to kick off the Channel Five run. The other, uh, the best arsehole move I've ever seen was in Battlebots. It was not this, not the last season that they showed in the UK, but the season before, where they had when it was just like it was like the last season of Robot Wars. So it was just spinners at the wazoo, just spinners all over the place, and they were just destroying everyone. It was at MIT or something like that, but it was very much the rapid school of. We are. We have put a lot of money in this. We know our shit. We are winning this. We cannot lose. And then uh, some guys came out and they they had a box, a, a gift wrapped box, and they put it in the middle of the arena with a tag with the robot's name on it. And then the bell went, <laughs> and he went, "We've got a gift for you." And he ran into it with a spinner and burst it, and it was a net that caught into. <laughs> <the box. laughs> 
and it, it caught the spinner and just totally like got caught in all the gears and choked it all up so it couldn't move its spinner. And then the guy just went, right, lads, off we go, and just went and hammered at them and immobilized them. As you can probably guess, these like MIT students were not happy <laughs> oh, no. whatsoever. That, they're like, they were shrieking. They, 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 they wanted a, they wanted it to be all redone. They were practically on, on the verge of tears, right? And the guy, they went up to the guy, and the, the judges went up to go. An entrapment device says, "Well, I know that entrapment devices were illegal, but we did come through the rules, and we noticed you taking it out for this year's edition, and nobody else had noticed. So check the rules. What? Nothing against entrapment <laughs> devices. And he'd poured through all the rules." And did it exactly, and they check for the rules. Go, he's right. There's nothing there. We oh, took it out. I don't know why. Nice asshole rule exploiter. It's nothing move. worse. Beautiful. <laughs> They're cheating, but they yeah. not. It's just, it, it's just Rimmer from Red Dwarf. That's yeah, it. Yeah, that's like. it. That is it. <laughs> but, but the 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 guys who get tangled up bitched and moaned so much that the other guys went, "Fine, we'll give you a rematch if you shut up." Like, and then he did a rematch, and then he got beat. And the other guys won, and you're like, yes, <laughs> we have won. We are the best. This <laughs> is utter pricks, man. Go, going on from the heels to um, faces, I guess, there's a bit a bit less scope to talk about face behaviour. But, like, I think, firstly, in the teams, like like I said, most roboteers, the vast majority of them are sound and come across as sound on yeah. uh, the... T- I mean, um, uh, Deator, for instance in the uh, in the early series i mean not only were they like really sort of fun guys they would invariably win the end of season award for best sportsmanship because they were always there in the pits helping out other teams with their repairs and just like just being good guys however like the out of the um revived robot wars um and I, i'd like to uh, hear you guys opinions on this probably the biggest face out of any of the roboteers was uh, i can't remember the guy's name but um uh, steampunk dad from uh, gabriel oh yeah oh um gabriel uh they put yeah. A yeah it was those it was his kids who were yeah with cherub yeah, yeah. Well, hang on. Craig, Calias, that's his name yeah but what a lovely man. But let, like, but let's uh, talk about Cherub very quickly for a second, because that's a good point. Cherub was supposed to be a baby face, wasn't it? You know, they run by the family, the kids, nice friendly bot, non-aggressive, all this stuff. Underdog. And underdog. But then the fans turned on it and it kind of oh, started no. getting some stick on Twitter and stuff like that. It's kind of like Roman Jeez. Reigns in that regard, because it's presented as a baby face, but <laughs> it, it all went horribly anyway. wrong. <laughs> Bloody Robot Wars smart. I think what it is, is that, because, <laughs> like, Ste- Steampunk Dab was the, he was just a lovely man. There was that fight where um, they could have gone in for the kill and against this robot, which was, like, sort of, not quite immobilized, but couldn't really defend itself. And he was like, no, no, that's, we'll just win by the judges decision, even though they needed the full three points to go through to the heat final. And actually the judges did decide in the end that the other robot had been immobilized. And so Gabriel could go through, but that's just like holding back and showing mercy when you don't need to. That's great. And then in series two, Cherub comes along. The actual other interesting point about that was I remember when the judges were talking, they took the fact that they didn't go for them as a sign of, like, they took points away from it because it didn't show aggression. Oh, and that's just great babyface behaviour. It's like, uh, Sami Zayn, you do things the right way and eventually it pays off for you. And then you get Cherub and uh, this (laughs) guy's daughter (laughs) comes. 
cuts this promo on him. <laughs> you say, I said to my dad last year, you're a wimp. <laughs> that might have had something to do with the uh, Twitter backlash against uh, Cherub. I don't know, that seems perverse to me, because like, at the end of the day, it's some children. Oh, big time, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kids having some fun. Let's hate them. <laughs> but it's like with Cherub, I mean, they're like, oh, you yeah, know, we're, we're not going to show any mercy. Cherub didn't really have much of a weapon to do anything yeah. aggressive with anyway. <laughs> How they show mercy in the first yeah. place? Not... <laughs> it's got this weird philosophical debate. That's quite, <laughs> that's quite interesting. So that was like... It sounds a bit like John Cena. And like John Cena seems like the nicest person in the world. And like, you know, he's great with the kids and all that. And, and like, you know, he literally goes to like, die, like kids' deathbeds and like grants them like final wishes and all that. And people are like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Most make a wish visits what ever. Can you do? Bastard. Yeah. <laughs> so, so those are, those are like, I think those are some uh, great uh, faces. I don't know. There's also, I think, something that's inherently likable. Um, we've, we've touched on it briefly, but um, the best underdog faces the sort of uh, mikey whipwreck gimmick of uh, of robot wars i mean we've talked about nuts what other like endearingly pathetic underdogs deator to me is yeah. the sort of shining light i mean the only way you can describe it is deator a great bunch of lads like they are they are the be- they have the best crack they always set themselves on fire and um, they have googly eyes and fur <laughs> polka dot fur they they are my favorite i, I love them i like so much but like with Jellyfish, he uh, he came in with the cheapest bot and with a vision to prove that you could still just build something in your garage and get somewhere. And it was brilliant because yeah. it, was a, it wasn't a great bot. It couldn't really do much, but it does have one victory. It does have a One victory. big victory. Yeah, over Sabertooth. Just yeah. to prove that it could still be done. And I think that's pretty cool. Dude, a rocky it's story. like the Barry Horowitz of uh, Robot That's Wars. the Barry Horowitz. It's got the one win, but you remember it. Yeah, I, I, I think it's very, like one of the most admirable robots there, just purely because... Was it not... Wait, am I right saying it was... Uh, was it two uh, mobility scooter batteries? Was that... <laughs> That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah and there was uh, just a whole bunch of shit that... like There was a ch- there was a chisel for uh, filing down horses' teeth. Was that yes, it? Yeah. They had that as a weapon on there. Um, just absolute nonsense all over it but it was the fact that he got there but you know it's like when you see like when Sutton United against Arsenal in the FA Cup you know they've got to like the last was it the last 16 they got to the last 32 last eight the last yeah they got to the quarterfinals Sutton United and like they shouldn't be there realistically like, like you know 99.9% of the time they'll never get to that but there's just that one time where they do and it shows that if, if you dream you can do a jellyfish as well you can do yeah. a Leicester Having said that, sometimes underdog facedom uh, crosses over into uh, stupidity. What was that robot that was made of wood? Oh, God, the guys with Falkirk? Oh, fucking hell. Um, <laughs> oh, I can't remember the first one's name. The second one, the most recent one, was Worm. That didn't actually have wood, so I told them they should put a woodworm, and then they were like, actually, this one doesn't have any wood in it. I'm like, oh. Yeah, because I, I, I just remember one of my favourite promos was Daddo O'Brien just going up to them and going, made of wood, care to explain? Overdose, alright. They're like, yeah, overdose, that's what it was, and it's like, yeah, um, we had six days to build a robot, we didn't have any metal, so wood it is, and then it goes, but it will burn, and like, break really easy, yeah, we, we know, like, we... Oh yeah, and oh, and what? How are you playing? Oh, it's a pet, it's a petrol motor, like petrol, yes, petrol motor, and a wooden <laughs> frame. Um, I hope you hope you enjoy picking through the fucking charred remains of what is left. But you kind of you almost um, want to see it 
dominate. So you want to see it get that that victory, that that dominating victory, and go. Well, shit. Guess yeah. Wood, wood all the way. Let's go for it. Yeah, we're like going back to basics. Okay, so what was it? The second year, the second year, I remember you had one of my favourite vignettes where they tested their uh, robot in their council estate car park <laughs> in Falkirk. <laughs> Uh, yes. Like they literally just like outside in the car park, just like running this thing about, like attacking a bin and stuff like that. Like and like people walking past, going, "What the fuck is going on here?" It's just like, literally outside their house in a car park, just attacking a bin with a robot. Did, didn't they, they chuck it in the skip after uh, they got illuminated? Yeah. The, oh god, that 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 broke my heart just to see them chucking it in the skip, like. It's like literally watching a, ro- a, ro- a robot die. Like, genuinely. The, uh, it's a great there. start for a heel turn, though. Like, it comes back from the, from the skip with a new team behind it. Made of Kevlar. <laughs> yeah. And... <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I want now to talk about uh, moving on from heels and faces. I think this might be quite a brief section, but that's um, uh, apt because they are quite brief in themselves. Uh, best squash matches in the history of uh, Robot Wars. Now, to my mind, there's two main genres of uh, squash matches there are the these mostly involved flippers you know over in a matter of seconds ronda rousey type the of okay kill. yeah you only need to do one move but it works and the other type is the utter wanton destruction that ends with bits of robot strewn all across the arena so oh, carbide um, matches you mean Hypnodisc matches, you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think my favourite, you guys must remember this, um, in the latter category, um, the former category, I think the best one is probably Wheelie Big Cheese versus Axor from, uh, I think it might be season five or six. Oh, that flip. Oh my yeah, God. it just yeah. goes up, flip, boom. And like, it's it's a worldie of a flip. Like, it really, really is. Like, it's such a distance. It's not like he's next to the... He's nowhere near the barricade, and he launches it. And he nearly takes out the... the oh, what did it... What's it called? Oh, what did they call it? Uh, plexiglass. Yeah. Um, like, it smashes into the plexiglass, and the plexiglass actually moves. <laughs> it's a fucking big robot. Like, it's a huge robot, and you just take it and launch it. And they nearly take out the plexiglass at the window. Yeah. That was amazing. I think best no. like those, those are satisfying, but only in terms of like technical ability. The the really satisfying squash matches are the wanton destruction, blow you into fragments ones. Probably the best. I think this was series five, and this was actually in the uh, series semi-finals as well. So I think maybe the this would be the fourth round of the knockouts. Uh, you guys remember Hypnodisc versus Splinter? Yes. Yeah. What a fight! Because basically, Splinter was a good robot. As well, this wasn't some scrub that Hypnodisc was facing, and Splinter was basically for the uninitiated. It had two little um, arms. I don't know why I'm fucking miming. This is a, a podcast, but um, <laughs> it had one arm on each side to, that would basically go in and grab the opponent, and it had a little scoop on the front. And the idea was that it would, yeah, snaffle the opponent and get it in its grasp, and then take it over and put it in the pit. And it did pretty well at that. And they actually did a promo before the match and said. Our tactics are to uh, go and face Hypnodisc head on. And it's not as stupid as it sounds because um, Hypnodisc can't do anything if it doesn't get its flywheel up to speed in the same way that you know any um, bar spinner or flywheel robot or circular saw, if it can't get it up to speed, it's your best chance it, it can't hurt usually. you. And it, it's, it's, good, it's good tactics. And so like, right, what we're going to do is we're just going to go straight for Hypnodisc on the front and we're going to get it with our little scoop and if we keep jabbing away at it like that, it will never be able to get the flywheel up to its like six or seven thousand RPM. 
or whatever it was. And that went really well for the first th 30 seconds or so of the fight. And then Hypnodisc, I think the drivers had realised what Splinter was trying to do. And then when Splinter came for it, it swerved, giving itself enough time to... <laughs> get the flywheel up to speed and then the instant splinter came into the slightest contact with the flywheel the entire front of it just got ripped off yeah completely <laughs> disrobed it was it was a different robot afterwards essentially <laughs> i mean these this poor bastard robot was it was literally in pieces at the end at the end of the fight there was the battery was strewn across the but all the innards were out oh. <laughs> People had had they 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 got their hands on it strawberry smiggles. It was uh, like it was it it was it was absolutely evil dead esque gore. <laughs> yeah, it really was. It was like you know in TNA when um, you found Rob Van Dam backstage and Abyss had had him with the uh, barbed wire bat, oh. and RVD is just covered in this like Final Destination level uh, amount of blood. It was like you kind of feel bad. I don't know. Do you guys feel bad for the roboteers? I know. I know they know what they're signing up for. We don't feel sympathy for robots like Splinter. Having been when there we... and seen how many hours they put in, like if you're at Robot Wars, that is a six a.m. till as late as they'll let you stay in the arena at night. Job essentially you're doing, trying to compete. Oh God, those poor people. Some of them are just, they've had no sleep. They don't really know what they're doing anymore. They've got a spanner and a hammer, and there's this thing in front of them, and they're just, as long as the wheels move, they're quite happy. And then it goes in there and immediately is destroyed. Like I said, they know what they're signing up for, but oh, Christ. It's like, uh, there was a thing, it was uh, an article recently about the World Snooker Championships, where if you don't get into the last 64, I think it is, you don't get paid. So like, if you lose in the first round, you don't get paid because you don't get prize money. And they were talking about like a guy who got in the draw and he got Ronnie O'Sullivan. This guy was like like 110th in the world and he got Ronnie O'Sullivan. And he went, oh, fuck. Like, I'm not pay <laughs> <laughs> he, like, he knew like, he'd actually turned up and he'd like, paid his own money to go and he was actually getting nothing out of it because he was playing Ronnie O'Sullivan. And, fuck, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's the exact same where... They put in all this effort to get there, and then it just nothing. But then again, um, you, you do get to be on TV, so that's the uh, just before we move on to um, our last you know couple of uh, things to talk about. Uh, just very quickly, everyone, um, favorite Robot Wars match of all time, not just squash matches, but favorite bout in the history of the series. I've got to be really. This is kind of shit. Because it's not an epic battle. It's not one that went to a judge's decision. Everyone's like, oh, who's going to win? It's not actually a good match. But it's probably the fight that I remember from childhood the most. And that's just Hypnodisc's debut. Because I was like, oh, shit. I've never seen anything like this before. I It's the only match I think I actually remember like sitting and watching it. I remember the room I was in. I remember all of that. I know I watched the first season of Robot Wars when it happened live on TV. I don't actually remember the instances of it, but that match I remember. So in a way, that's my favourite match, just because how much it stuck with me and made me realise how much destruction there could be. Yeah, it's amazing to... I mean, you kind of forget, because like, every bloody robot's got a spinner now. You, you, you've you got um, Carbide, uh, Ironside 3, and uh, the robot I will um, always refer to as Call Me Speed, Mr. Squared is my father. <laughs> and... Um, but it's it's amazing to think uh, you you kind of forget just how much uh, Hypnodisc reinvented the wheel, or should I say, reinvented the flywheel? Hey. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it was revolutionary at the time. I, I absolutely um, 
understand why that would have made an impression on you. So, okay, yeah, Hypnosis first bout. Um, so, uh, David? My my favourite fight is really tough. Like, really, really, really tough. That ra- that Razor Tornado match is incredible. Like, yeah. it, it's really, really good. Uh, to be honest, I, I really liked... There's the three from the first series of the, the new first series. The two, uh, two fights with Storm 2. I think there's one with, one with Storm 2 where they can simultaneously do the two things that you love in any ro- any match ro- Robot Wars that you get. You will always pop for somebody getting launched out of the arena or a house robot getting flipped. And this combined them both yes. in just such a majestic way. I think that the first Apollo versus Storm 2, I think it's up there, either that or the, the Apollo Carbide Grand Final or Carbide Nuts. Those, I mean, the two, the two Apollo uh, Storm Two matches are incredible. They're yeah. both, I give them both five stars on the site. Actually, it's <laughs> were they be, in the Tokyo Dome? They weren't even in the Tokyo Dome. Uh, but I know. so that's why they only get five instead of six. Miss Hour wasn't even uh, wasn't even piloting uh, nuts. Exactly. Um, hey, you know what was nuts? Taking so many head bumps. <laughs> oh. Oh. I think my favorite match is this is kind of a bit of a deep cut because neither of these uh, robots were like in the sort of upper echelon and this is kind of i don't know why this match but i remember it really vividly and i remember it being really good it was a heat final from series four wheelie big cheese versus suicidal tendencies i'm trying to move it off the top of my head i don't know if you guys remember this uh remember this match i'm sure you can find it on youtube the basic story of the match and wheelie big cheese because when it was big cheese it was basically just a wedge rather appropriately and then the, you know they must have thought okay everyone's get, getting a flipper now Let's get ourselves... The entire robot is a flipper. It's a flipper with wheels, basically. And Suicidal Tendencies is one of my favourite robots just because, firstly, it's got tracks instead of wheels. And that was really cool to me. And it's got this little pickaxe which doesn't really do much damage on its own, but it's just sort of nibbling away at you constantly and it's going really fast. And I think the... I think I seem to remember the end of the match was Suicidal Tendencies survived really Big Cheese's onslaught, managed to push it in the pit, and then got disqualified by the judges because one of its tracks had been immobilised. Oh. And I remember being, like, absolutely irate as a child. We were, we were saying about dusty finishes, that's what <laughs> Yeah, that's right up there. So, so that's my favourite. Who, who haven't we done? Who's, who's not said their favourite? One I'd uh, like to give a shout-out to would be TR2 versus Carbide. Because we talked to Alex about this and we said, you know, what are you thinking going into a battle against Carbide? And he's like, when you're going against a bot like Carbide, you just have to go for it, you know. But he's actually being kind of modest there because what he actually did was put on a proper clinic in piloting. He just spent the entire time baiting Carbide, luring him around, dodging, leading him all over the place and eventually won on points. But I think if the clock had kept ticking, he probably would have got him into the pit eventually because he just had complete control over the match. It's a very, that's a really good shout. Mm. It's like you guys were saying on that um, that episode of uh, where you talked about the grand final of the first uh, revival series. Um, you can have a, the best robot in the world, but if you can't drive it, you're done. Yeah, that's then it. It's not much use. And also, you have had robots which are not that great on their own, but have been elevated by some excellent driving. I I really like Thor as a robot. It's very powerful, but yeah. the axe doesn't seem to me like it's as destructive as. Some of the bar spinners you've seen, mm. but Jason's such a good driver. That He's incredible. Yeah. Thor, Thor could do really well without a weapon. Oh, easily. Like yeah. easily. If it was, if it was allowed by the rules, um, 
like that that will bring us on to uh something very later i want to talk about okay so before we get on to the the most robot wars is pro wrestling thing of all time um i want the activate guys to sort of let us in on a few little uh trade secrets so um one of the things about pro wrestling um one of the things that uh, sets it apart for most people and uh, you, you t- talked about earlier about you, you started watching wrestling as a child and were just immediately told it was fake <laughs> <laughs> and I felt really bad about that. You know, it never even got to be a mark. Um, and um, but wrestling is predetermined. Now, to what extent would you say Robot Wars is a work? Yeah, that's a really good one because whilst it is basically a competition, there, are, especially in the earlier series, there's a there's clearly working behind the scenes, pulling the strings on things, mostly the house bots and how they get involved kind of dictate what's yeah. happening next and you can see certain bots getting steered in the re- direction of lasting the entire episode and some of the more boring bots maybe getting you know having their progress stopped by uh kill a lot back in the gauntlet and things like that you could argue that it, whilst it is a competition it's definitely not fair and they're, they're leading it like they their main goal is entertainment not the competition for the earlier series because you talked about in the first series about some of the robots were plants. Yeah. <laughs> so I think you actually, you actually used the term work as well. Yeah. So um, You could almost so call them jobbers that. really at that point as well. Yeah, yeah, they were. They were basically the, they were the job squad, you know, pin me, pay me. Yeah, they pin were. Pin me, pay yeah. me, as it were. Um, <laughs> I think the the probably the one of the more controversial examples of this behind the scenes maneuvering would be and i i know not not as many people watch this because it was on channel five and like unless you're watching fort boyard or csi or you know europa league like why the fuck even watch channel five <laughs> but um that would be the season seven grand final typhoon two versus storm two mm, mm. Could, could could you guys sort of give give us the, a lowdown on the reasons for the controversy um surrounding the season seven seven final between typhoon two and storm two and the sort of the invisible hand at work the thing with all of that is i won't go too far into detail because we've got to cover it on our uh on activate soon well yeah. i say soon in like 10 years probably <laughs> <laughs> but the deal with almost all the controversy and pretty much the entirety the whole original series the whole original series of robot wars it had a vince mcmahon at the helm it had a guy who wanted certain results and certain things to happen like you say, invisible hands, there's a lot. Of, there were a lot of them back then. These days, from what I could tell from being backstage for like three days straight, there's nothing like that, or not as much. Without going into too much details about that fight in particular, yeah, it's... Let me think of the way to put it. It's almost totally kayfabe. <laughs> it's almost half a work the whole of the original series run. There are a lot of opportunities yeah. that weren't, um, that should have been more than what they were. I'm trying, I'm trying to stay a bit. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fine. I mean, I mean, the general gist of it was that uh, storm two, who you, you might know from the, uh, and actually David, um, you know, re- really liked those uh, storm two versus uh, Apollo matches, but storm two, was not a robot that was particularly liked by the producers, it's fair to say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I think we'll, we'll leave it at that because, like we said, it's a Rambot. Um, it doesn't have a weapon. And now a lot of this is the complaints were taken from uh, Storm 2's personal blog, which I think you can find archived somewhere on the interwebs. It is still out and, there, yeah. uh, the, the idea was that 
Storm 2 was not competing on so much of a level playing field. I won't go too much into the details because you guys are going to cover it, but in the same way that in Season 1, Sakilalot might mysteriously stand in the path of some of the robots in the gauntlet, uh, let's just say that Storm 2 was um, somewhat conspired against. And so, yeah, like you say, uh, in the same way that people ask me who don't know about UFC, is UFC uh, is UFC real? Uh, you know, pro wrestling is not real. UFC, is UFC real? I said, it, in the sense that the fights are shoots, it is. But at the same time, there are human beings making the matches, plotting the shows. And it might not necessarily be that the most deserving contender is gunning for the championship or even that the most uh, deserving fighter is the champion. So I guess you could say the same thing about Robot Wars. I think the final thing we really want to talk about, uh, David's been really itching to uh, talk about this. And again, I know this is not something you have um, covered on your podcast yet. So um, we'll try not to tread on too many toes. But this was something that was like manna from heaven when I was a child. <laughs> when I saw that this was starting on BBC Two, I was in just absolute raptures. And that is uh, Robot Wars Extreme. Love Robot Wars Extreme. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Championship belts, so, so grudge good. matches. It is wrestling. It just is. It really, like, I have a theory about it that Robot Wars Extreme is the most perfectly booked wrestling federation. <laughs> <laughs> like, think about it, right? Because you've got the championship belt. Like, they had the great gimmick. Um, yeah, well, they won three fights, and if they did that, they kept the belt, and that that was theirs, and then they made a new belt. Every every episode was like, because I mean, the thing with the like the, the current format is obviously it's a tournament and like you know tournaments are fantastic i mean look at the cruiserweight classic you know it was a fantastic tournament but this gave you a bit of variety and that there was there was so much going on i mean you had um oh well i mean like i said you had that challenge belt you also had like grudge matches so as, as you said so like with that like teams would like if they had a beef with each other they would settle it in the arena. Like, yeah, I mean, but... but watch more wrestling but than that. more than that, they actually had promos. Like, not just, like, interviewing them about their bot and yeah. stuff like that, but actual, actual promos. Because there was... To give you an example, uh, Plunderbird versus Chromelot. Uh, yeah, finally getting to main event. <laughs> we're talking... Do, have you seen this? The uh, Plunderbird uh, backstage saying that, you know, Chrome aren't going to turn up and... Uh, you know, they're nowhere to be seen. And then all of a sudden, some limo starts pulling up uh, with, a, with an entourage guiding it and uh, out chrome step. And all of a sudden, some cheerleaders turn up and start calling Plunderbird Plunder Girls. The, you haven't even seen a robot yet. <laughs> <laughs> they, they worked an angle. <laughs> it's an angle. It's a full-on angle. Yeah. And it actually gave... The great thing about Extreme is it gave other guys a chance as well and that's what i love about it you really yeah. actually saw something from plunderbird who were otherwise mostly other than um i think one season's performance but mostly straight out losers so yeah. Yeah, you actually <laughs> saw something from them yeah it was it was it was it was nice in the same way that sort of the unheralded that when uh um you know the unheralded mid-carder gets to main event a pay-per-view yeah and mm. you know that 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 feud that's been bubbling under for a long time like it gets to go on last and like that was a really that was a really cool thing the challenge belt was a bloody bloody tornado where uh, one that i seem to uh i seem to remember as yeah. well going on a proper monster heel run um the the other great things i think were yeah they did random handicap matches involving the house robots <laughs> yeah uh, yeah um there's like um ta tag team matches essentially oh god you could almost say that they were blatantly 
copying wrestling format. If anybody knows of anybody who works on the Robot Wars Extreme, I would totally want to know how many of them are wrestling fans because clearly they were. I mean, there's ones like there's six pack cap challenges all all, all the time. They have um, the Annihilator, so isn't it like they do? It's like six, and then one gets eliminated, and then it's yeah. five, and then four, and three. Yeah, it's basically an elimination chamber. Exactly, it pretty much is. Yeah, and like. Yeah, I mean, and like they had themed episodes as well, and it makes you think of like those Nitro's Spring Break, where like you know they'll have a themed episode where it's like all oh, the army are fighting the navy and things like that, and <laughs> like it, it's it's just it's just the perfect formula for a wrestling company, and that like you have you had a monster heel with the challenge belt, you had your cruiser your cruiser weights because they did not have like I certainly think they said in the second one. Uh, did not have like a lightweight tournament or was it ant weight? Ant weight, yeah. yeah. They had like yeah. it was just basically a like eleven or twelve way match on a tiny replica of the robot. Was <laughs> it was probably one of the um the toy sets you used to be able to buy at Hamleys. Yeah. And um like the Razor and Behemoth teams had made tiny little versions of their robots. The Razor one was called Razzler, <laughs> which I believe is a porno mag. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right as well. <laughs> not that I know, but. <laughs> Uh, allegedly, <laughs> so, the um and you got yeah. I think um getting a Razor versus Pussycat rematch, um again quite a controversial fight from uh, uh series four in that the Razor team were none too happy that um Razor's Achilles heel the little sort of tail on the back yes had yeah. got uh, caught on the uh, on the side and that was his weakness that and its tiny little wheels and Pussycat had just absolutely wrecked it and the Razor it's team were very yeah. um were very uh, upset about this. They had the um they had the um rematch. Pussycat won again, but then in the um the series of the revival, uh, the first the first bout of the new Robot War series on BBC two featured Razor in a fatal four way. And there's a robot called Killy Cranky. And um one of the things is Razor actually surprisingly going out in the first round in what was a, a huge shock, um by basically getting a grab of Killy Cranky and ending up in, they both tumble down into the pit together and the other two robots are like, cool, I guess we're through then. Cheers, guys. And my working theory was that Razor had been persuaded back for the revival and had basically done the old uh, Pac-Man Jones thing. It's like, all right, I'll wrestle, but as long as I don't have to actually do anything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'll just (laughs) collect my appearance money. But actually, I found out that, again, thanks to your podcast, that the team behind Killy Cranky were actually the team behind Pussycat. Team Cold Fusion, these same guys, Body Hammer into Pussycat into Killy Cranky and then Cranky after that. And and so the Razor teams, clearly they've clearly been like, we've waited over a decade for our revenge on Pussycat. <laughs> like, it's a different robot. I don't care. <laughs> it's, and like, is it not very fitting that like when they finally get the chance to get the revenge, they end up both falling into the pit and just dying? It would have been amazing if that, because we saw Killy Cranky again, cold fusion team but we haven't seen the razor team again it almost would have been an amazing sort of um double retirement you know that's the old guard going and the new guard coming in i tell you what it is it's gandalf and the balrog (laughs) it it does (laughs) resemble that quite a lot like, it's like it's how it's how we all thought Undertaker would retire with him and kane and a buddy the yeah falling into the pit that's how i always imagined it yeah (laughs) that was amazing and so we got um we got razor versus pussycat you know a, a grudge that had been raging for a, a decently long time. However, the match we um, we never got was Razor versus Hypnodisc. Now, the thing is, like, 
you you say that to people and uh, they they think oh Razer and Hypnodisc must have fought because actually if you if you type Razer into Google or YouTube one of the autocomplete options <laughs> yeah. is Razer versus Hypnodisc despite the fact we didn't ever get this match and I remember talking to uh, my girlfriend Sarah's uh, dad we got to talk about Robot Wars and like some people are convinced that they remember this match happening that never happened because um, he was like oh let's let's watch Razer versus Hypnodisc and I was like didn't happen. And he said, what are you talking about? I said, no, no, I promise you, type it into YouTube. It's like, I remember reading this Salman Rushdie article where he was talking about he's got this really vivid childhood memory of the first football match he ever went to. And like Tottenham Hotspur versus Real Madrid playing out this thrilling three-all draw. And then when he was an adult, he looked it up and like no such match had ever <laughs> taken place. But he's got this weirdly vivid memory of it. I think people are like that with Razor and Hypnodisc. So is, when... it all, is, it, is it a Mandela thing? That's the that one. one. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's the word. So yeah. they they try, I think the producers tried to put the match together. Is that right? So, uh, well, yeah, like Robot Wars Extreme. Did they not do the the old uh, the Taboo Tuesday tactic where they allowed people to vote on who would fight each other? That did happen. Yes. That yes. did happen. And they they chose obviously they chose Razor versus Hypnodisc. Exactly. Like you'd be mad if you didn't take Razor versus Hypnodisc. And um, am I right in saying that? They both Razor and Hypnodisc got together, and both universally decided that the damage that both would cause to each other would destroy the robot so bad it wasn't worth. They didn't want to destroy the robots for the entertainment of the fans. Yes, I believe that's what happened. Razor, the Razor team in particular, almost um, infamous for really trying to avoid fights with spinners. Um, probably one of the main reasons they phoned it in with the um, revival is. They didn't want to see their baby get absolutely slaughtered because it would have been once it got to something like car. They probably would have outdriven a lot of people and done all right. But once they get to carbide, they'd have been smashed. Um, yeah. They're very protective over that machine, um, especially it's hugely valuable as well. At one point, I think they were offered something like a quarter of a million for it. Like it, Jesus, like it is a really? seriously revered machine. And the longer they had it, like, yeah, like I said, they were infamous for av- avoiding fights with spinners or at least powerful spinners by any means necessary. So I'd say in that case, it was almost certainly Razor's idea to approach Hypnodisc. And I can see Hypnodisc seeing what Razor had done um, and being like, eh, yeah, let's, let's, let's avoid this one, which is a shame because it, it would have been great fan service. Yeah, it's such a shame because like, um, did we ever get Chaos 2 versus Razor? Oh, I don't. Things? I no, to think yes, we did. We did, we did and Razor defeated them quite handily. Actually, I think it was yeah. um, Chaos 2's first... Is, was it their first major loss in a while? It may well have been. Yeah. yeah, I seem to remember it was. Because like we nearly got Razor versus Hypnotist. The closest we ever came was uh, Series 5. And again, like um, because what happened then was... I think Ra- Razor had got to the final... And Hypnodisc was in the semi against uh, against uh, a robot called Bigger Brother. Like a uh, Bigger Brother was a because there's so many robots on Robot Wars where there's been kids in the team and like the parent has built the robot and then the kid has whinged for about four weeks straight until the parent agrees to let them drive it. <laughs> and then it yeah, and, it and, goes to hell. <laughs> and then they they pilot it into the pit or the arena flame as as dad thinks. Six bloody months I've been working on that. <laughs> yep. But actually, and you just the, the bend it this... into the pit. 
but there was this adorable kid from uh, Bigger Brother who was the driver, and this kid was actually incredible as a driver. And so Bigger Brother was like a really popular underdog, but it was against Hypnodisc in the semi-final, and Hypnodisc ripped the shit out of it, um, pillar to post, and you thought, oh, there's no way Bigger Brother can come back from this, and then by chance managed to they pit, uh, did they get pit them? A, a lucky shot on Hypnodisc and push it in the pit. And that's the closest we ever came because uh, Razor vs. Hypnodisc would have been the final of Series 5 were it not for that sort of one lucky shot by Bigger Brother. And then all the teams came together to uh, make sure Bigger Brother could compete in the final because it was ripped to shreds and then it just got ripped to shreds again because <laughs> it had to fight Razor. <laughs> but that's the closest we ever came to that dream match. I, I honestly think that if I became like a millionaire, I would totally become a money mark and I would book Razor vs. Hypnodisc. <laughs> Your little indie promotion and just yeah. have it. I'd have seen amount of money just to go, we'll go to that warehouse in Renfrew. We'll, we'll just have, I'll sell tickets. I don't care. I, I, we'll, we'll do it in Hamden. I don't care. Like, well, this was the next thing because, it, yes, it, this has, it, it's ha- it has to have ha- happened at some point. Like, I, you can't, I can't go to the grave knowing that Razor and Hypnodis never fought. Like, I can't do it. That's well, why I'm still alive. If you if you want to start this new Robot Wars promotion, I understand the, uh, the guys at What Culture Pro Wrestling are kind of in a bit of a loose end. Yeah. <laughs> What culture pro robot wars? Book it. <laughs> I will have been on, I've been on the phone to some yakka. I mean, legitimate businessmen who decided <laughs> to fund my robot wars <laughs> promotion. Totally not connected to the yakas in any way whatsoever. <laughs> well, quickly then. Um, so, um, Razor versus Hypnodisc. Who wins? Oh, <laughs> I, I think Hypnodisc probably does win, um, purely because I think. If it if Razor takes the same tactic as Splinter tried to <laughs> in that notorious uh, fight, I think it would have a, a chance. But because Razor's um, the the offense is based not on uh, blunt force over a large area, but based on grabbing, uh, I think Ra- if Hypnodisc uh, was driven well, and it generally was, I think it would Razor would find it quite hard to get a handle on Hypnodisc. And I mean, if Razor actually managed to get a grab on the flywheel as it was in motion I, I don't think the audience would have been safe so I go for Hypnodisc I don't know about you guys see the thing is is you're, you're absolutely right like that like and Razor knew it if they get hit with the disc they're done they're absolutely done no, no, no you can't can't do anything against it the thing is is that like wasn't the disc it was like famously very susceptible to like attacks on the disc itself so if you nailed the disc it, it just ruined it it would all really lie on whether or not Razor could get the, the the claw onto the disc. If it could, I think it would win it. I think it's, it's that split second yeah. timing where it needs to get it before it goes to full power. If it goes to full power, it, it's, it's done. What, so if he like dropped it like a needle on a vinyl and it would just it would yes, trash exactly. it? Beautiful. <laughs> and, and then if it tried to do the disc backwards, it would just start doing satanic messages. <laughs> uh, Put things into perspective. Shunt did get a whopping hit on Hypnodisc's disc and basically took out Hypnodisc like that. So it's... You can you can get it, but Shunt has an axe that's very fast. Razor, they've got a hydraulic-powered giant crushing claw, which takes a, a while to get down, especially to... I mean, I'm trying to think of how long it would take to actually get a grip on Hypnodisc. If they could spin... If in the time it took for Razor's claw to come down, they could get up to full spin... Oh god, it's like the 
<laughs> unstoppable force meeting the immovable object How right there. How long does it take for Hypnodisc to get to full speed, do you reckon? Off the top of my head, I can't remember. Um, it's it's no more than like maybe five seconds, but five seconds is a lot of time in uh, in Robot Wars. Yeah. So, to coin a phrase. Because uh, I, when I was, obviously, when we were looking for research and things, that I found discussion board uh, on Digital Spy of Razor oh, no. versus Hypnodisc, who would win. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Um, and they had an amazing analogy where it says, Hypnodisc reminds me of the stereotypical football team that plays lovely attacking football and often destroys the lower teams, but rarely wins a trophy because it struggles against any organised strong team. <laughs> that's, that's a fair analogy, I think, yeah. in a way. Yeah, because like, I think the thing about Hypnodisc was it had its weaknesses. Up until Season 4, it didn't have a stream and that's what did for it in the Season 3 final against Chaos 2. The other thing was that... Um, the weapon was amazing. The rest of the robot, like, it, it was kind of powerful. It was well-driven. The body of it wasn't really amazing, and it had a, quite a high ground clearance. That's the other thing I remember about Hypnodisc. Yeah. And is. that, made, again, made it quite susceptible to flippers. So it did have its weaknesses. I can see where they're coming from. The body itself was, um, well, that, like you said, it was the main weakness. And if you look at any modern design of a spinner, it's <laughs> it's not like Hypnodisc. And if people keep wanting Hypnodisc to come back, it would have to look quite different, because you couldn't have half of the machine a susceptible body it just wouldn't work now yeah like yeah. it's it, it, it's it's like if you if you wanted some uh sort of i'll tell you what it would have been like it would have been like uh some great high flyer from uh from the 90s and you plonk them down in pwg or something like that and they're doing stuff which was like really impressive at the time and you kind of applaud them politely because they're a legend, but at the same time you got people like Ricochet and <laughs> Will Ospreay. Ray Mysterio is who you're talking about there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically. <laughs> Before we uh, wrap things up, I mean, this has been an incredibly entertaining uh, uh, discussion. And like, thank you so much, guys, for uh, coming on the podcast because we're great fans of, of yours and of Robot Wars and of pro wrestling. And to bring these together in a happy little metallic bundle was uh, <laughs> was a great way to spend a Thursday night of recording. So before we wrap it up, have you guys got anything uh, you would like to plug? God, I wish we had a lot of things, but you can find us on Twitter at Podcast Activate. That's the first time I've actually had to remind, remember that. So <laughs> follow us on Twitter. And hey, if you like Robot Wars, we're Activate, the Robot Wars podcast, which I now have to specify, Google it, but avoid whatever this Tory thing is to do with Activate, because that's really annoying. <laughs> Why yeah. did they have to pick? I know, of all oh. the words, of all the words, they went with that. No, last thing we and then to... got really anti-Semitic in their private messages. No, no, not now. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Anti-Semitism in the Conservative Party, you're fucking joking. I know, I know right? <laughs> that's shocking stuff. <laughs> And their politics fit in, fit in with us as well. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I wish we'd have known. I wish we'd have known this b- b- beforehand. We could have just like politics had, is wrestling. Like, yeah. There we go. There you go. <laughs> oh, Hashtag politics is wrestling. That's a good yeah. one. That is. <laughs> Do that at some point and just watch Daniel fucking explode because he's a massive anarchist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so yeah, um, I should also plug um, new series of Robot Wars coming up. It is coming on, up October twenty uh, second, I believe. Yeah, it, like it's going to be so much fun. I can't wait. It's gonna it's gonna be amazing. Like. So good, and the ten bot battle royal they've announced. I believe so. Yeah, there's a ten bot. Yeah, I wasn't at the most recent recordings, so I don't know anything that's happened. But I know the oh, feeling shit. of 
when you know something's happened because when um that bit of aftershock went through the plexiglass and everyone was like oh and i was there i got to see it get taken out back and look at it up close and i was like i want to fucking tell everyone why can't i fucking tell everyone <laughs> <laughs> just wait for three four months i know that was because that was uh like no because dad o'brien mentioned that there's meant to be a 10 bot battle royal which sounds insane like i'm aware that it happens because i'm aware of most of the robots competing as well in this upcoming season it is hard to keep a keep a lid on spoilers because I, I I was once on uh, the BBC Two quiz show I was on uh, going back to early it was actually a university challenge and it's um mm. it's, <laughs> ooh, yeah, I know, and uh, it's actually recorded months before it airs and you're not you're not really meant to tell anyone um, I told like a few people close close to me uh, so, sorry sorry Paxman <laughs> um, maybe, maybe maybe you can uh, get get me on on your show and just ask the same question over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, a lot of so a lot of people were like, "Oh, how did you do?" And I had to go to them. Oh well, oh, uh, I, I you know, <laughs> touching my finger to my nose and just basically it, not wanting to go. Yeah, we got dropped out by a uh, Homerton College, Cambridge in the second round. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. the fact that you wanted to keep up the the mystique of the spoilers is just you were too embarrassed. To tell <laughs> <and wasted laughs> I, I I tell you what, we dicked on Plymouth in the first round though, so that. Ah oh, fuck off! I'm a Plymouth boy, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> so you you will be able to when the new robot series comes around, there will be of course pop, um, coverage by activate but also by myself and david on i maintain the double foot stomp is silly dot com with our our i think this is actually some of our most popular content uh, on the site it's not even about wrestling but our <laughs> wrestling style um robot wars reviews and uh so yeah just before we leave we i'll tell you where you can oh, actually i have pop. one thing to plug oh yeah do I, you? I have something to talk I have a new blog called Oleg Zelenko Soviet Soccer. You should check it out. <laughs> um, it's, I made, there's a, a mobile game and you, you have where you're a football chairman and you can edit all the teams and I edited them all to make 152 teams from the former Soviet Union because <laughs> I am a sad bastard. And I've done a blog where um, I'm taking Ararat Moscow who represent the Armenian community in Moscow. I'm taking them to the, the heights of the the CIS, um, the Confederation of Independent States, Commonwealth, sorry. Um, I'm taking them to the top. There's people listening to this podcast from like the PWO network who genuinely don't have a fucking clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> I quite like it that way. Um, if you if you have ever wondered um, whether Rotor Volgograd could beat Karabakh, then you know. Finally, what more recommendation do you need? Um, you can find us on. We have a Facebook page. We never update. That's the uh, the Puri Puri podcast. Um, never. Go, go and look at our one picture of uh, Jushin Liger pushing Hiroshi Tanahashi using a shopping trolley. Um, <laughs> you can find us on uh, SoundCloud.com Puri Puri podcast. You can find us um, at the uh, Pro Wrestling Only Network as well slash Place to Be Nation. We have some of our episodes up on there. I, I don't think you'll find this episode on there. Today. I don't <laughs> think you will. Our wrestling episodes are on there as well. So check those out. Um, when, again, when I remember to, our episodes are posted up on I maintain com. You can follow us on Twitter at Per Podcast. I say this every time. I do not know how we managed to get that particular Twitter handle, and we must never change it because someone's going to be in snapping it up like a fucking vulture. And uh, to end, I've actually prepared a little poem. Stunning. It's exciting. I've, I've not told David about this yet. Um, but um, this it's become a tradition in our reviews, actually, that. Um, I started doing the little rhyming couplet at the end, like Craig Charles used to. Ooh. It was always something that would rhyme with Robot Wars. 
And I started doing it, and then David started doing it in his uh, reviews of Robot Wars, because we'd alternate weeks. And then the last series, I got the grand final. I was like, I need to one-up him somehow. But how? And then I just ended up writing a sonnet about Robot Wars. We've all been there, so... <laughs> so you, you guys can check that out. So um, we shall leave you only with this. Burn the decks, shred the sails, strike down the topmast, because the Robot Wars voyage is over on the Puri Puri podcast. Bye-bye. <laughs> will be joining in the anniversary celebrations this evening here on BBC Scotland in a special service of Thanksgiving from Heathrow at ten past six. It's business as usual at Heathrow Airport. Does anyone own this bag, please? From suspect packages to secret passengers. But while some are far gone, many are still hoping to go far. Amsterdam. <laughs> Simply not another day at the office for PC Kid. Can't please all of the people all of the time, can you? Airport, Friday at 8.30 on BBC One. Because, yeah, Daniel usually does the intros um, for 
these, so I'm I'm just gonna have to wing it um, at this point. Um, right. Okay. So, hello. Um, it's David, the loud one from the Pure Pure podcast. Um, welcome to episode. Well, it's a, a it's a bono episode um, mm-hmm. to steal from the EE podcast um, of. I fucked this up. Sorry. <laughs> you get three strikes and I'm doing it. fucking intricate thing and then just totally lost it and went into actually introducing the fucking episode. Um, right, so... I'm sorry. <laughs> so... <laughs> right. Gonna compose myself. <laughs> Fuck off, stop laughing. Oh my god. <laughs> right. Uh, all right, do you actually be using that weapon? Oh no! No! No, please, no! So, yeah, um, welcome to the Pure Pro. <laughs> <laughs> I, I run the fucking podcast and I can't fucking pronounce it. Oh man, we all have this problem. Why did I choose this name? Should I call it a fucking. Yeah, yeah, you picked the name, it's your I know, fault. Should I call it a fucking Lariat or something? <laughs> yeah. um, Blood and semen everywhere. <laughs> That's how I like my Robot Wars battles. I don't know about you. Jo- Jonathan Pierce's cock whacking into the plexiglass. Going through it like aftershocks at the side. That's, that's an image for you, fuckers. <laughs> <laughs>